Hello once again, everyone. It is Monday, February 14th, the special Valentine's Day episode. We're going to have all Valentine's Day themed the entire time. Uh, everything love-related. Forget about the Super Bowl. It's Valentine's Day. No kidding. That's all. Probably the only time we're going to mention it. Uh, but hey, it was Super Bowl week. We're going to talk about the Super Bowl, obviously. Amongst other things, uh, we're actually going to talk a little basketball today. There was. There was the NBA trade deadline. There's a lot to cover today yeah. in general. We're going to talk a little hockey today. Yeah. We're going to be a real sports show <laughs> instead of just a football show this time. Listen, all real sports shows are football shows during the NFL season. A little bit. Honestly, come on. The, NFL, the NFL kills it. If you're, if you're going to be honest with yourself and just go by ratings and what people care about, you're, you're an NFL show. I mean, ESPN still will cover. I was the just NBA about. I was just about to say, no one cares about the NBA the way that ESPN thinks that they care about the NBA. They, they really don't. Go look at their ratings. I, I think it's more no one cares about LeBron the way ESPN cares about LeBron. That yeah. that too. But in general, the NBA's ratings have have been kind of going and going down for a little bit. Yeah, but we're going to talk about it. Today. Oh well, well, not the ratings. But. No, no, no. We'll talk about some players. Yeah. Yeah, and some of the news. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna play some fair and foul also, and uh, your weekly Tommy report is still still alive. Yes, and the Darwin for another week it is. So uh, you know, with that, I'll I'll hand it off to you, Dom. Yeah, it's your Thank turn you. to start the show. Yeah. All right. There is a reason that I named this show what I did. Slow your roll. Now I expect fans and stuff to get caught up in storylines and be emotional and the media loves stories but i've always thought that the media if you're a sports media you're talking to the rest of the world who many of them can't follow it as closely you should be objective and to me the media fell for the storyline in this super bowl as well and in the end of the day they got lucky this game was as close as it was let's let's flip this for a second the the bengal's magical horseshoe is why this game was even close if you took away Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins or Higgins and Nixon from Cincy, do you think this game is even competitive? When OBJ was on the field, he was burning Apple. OBJ was a big part of the playoffs throughout. You knew he was going to be a big part of this game, too. They had no answer for him. They were already missing Higby, who was second on the team in receptions. The Rams are the far better football team. And if you look at that second half, Cincy basically got gifted 10 points. T. Higgins, an egregious egregious penalty against Ramsey to get one 75-yard touchdown. It's not even like you can say it was only one play of a drive that was a penalty. No, no, it was the only play of the drive that was a 75-yard touchdown. Cincinnati, 61 total yards of offense in the second half after that play. And the entire second half, since he was 3 of 14 on third downs. All right. The Rams were the far superior team, and that horseshoe was the only reason that this game looks close. There's only one unit on the field that since he is better than the Rams at, and that's running back. Nixon's better than Akers. Other than that, throughout, the Rams are the better football team. I'll give Cincy credit. Their D-line did a much better job of stopping the Rams' run game than I suspected. But as I said, basically you were gift-wrapped 10 points. The Rams had two turnovers, you had none. This game should not even have been as close as it was. And the media, in my opinion, was not objective and fell for the storylines, which I'm very disappointed about. But they always do that anyway. So 
I, I can tell by the face that you're making I mean, that you don't quite agree with me no, I mean, right now, but I'll, I'll, I'll end it on this. As I said, take away Higgins and Boyd or take away Higgins and Nixon and tell me this game is even close. Higby, second on the team in receptions. They're dealing with, I don't even think Cam Akers is 100%. Stafford's throwing to some rookie undrafted wide receiver out of Notre Dame, Chernock Sher- Sher- or whatever his name was, couldn't even make the catch on that pick. And he's actually down to a third string tight end. People don't really realize that because you barely saw the backup because he just wasn't healthy at all, even when Higby went down. But he's down to a third string tight end, Chirac the wide receiver, and it's Cooper Cup and about nothing else. And the Rams D-line worked the Cincy O-line like we thought they would all day long. So yeah, this game, the media, the media fooled a lot of people in my opinion. And they fell for it themselves. I mean, it got to the point, if you did the pregame, 54% of America was on the Bengals. Why? I mean, I think a lot of that is they wanted the Bengals. Because a lot of people in those votes, they vote with their heart, not with their head. Yeah, and I don't think the media should be doing that. Uh, No, I'll say the media shouldn't. Um, And... I don't understand. Did I pick the Bengals for a little fun? Yeah. No, I know. But like, I. But you also, at really? least, but can I just say, at least with you, you were consistent all year because you were never as high on the Rams as I was. Yeah, and I was higher on the Bengals than everyone else was. Yeah. So at least you were consistent across the board. But the, everybody else is just like, you just fell for the, you fell for the trap. I mean, here's the thing. Are the, the Rams vastly, I mean, I want to say vastly, but definitely superior on paper? I mean, yeah. And even like their stars, um, they're also veteran stars. Mm-hmm. You know, Burroughs is still young. Jamar Chase is still young. T. Higgins is, uh, Joe Mixon are all still young. Um, but they they never let that game get out of hand. They still had a pretty good defensive strategy. They never could, the Rams could never run the ball. And yeah, OBJ was the problem. But I mean, a couple adjustments could have fixed that because Tyree Kill ran all over them too until an adjustment came and then Tyree Kill disappeared. Now, I know we didn't get to see that because he got hurt. Um, but other than that... I would say the Rams have better secondary options than even the Chiefs do. Because I think Vance Jefferson on your third corner is actually decent. The problem was once Eli Apple got to switch to Vance Jefferson, Jefferson got could get no separation. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I agree with you that like they are the superior team. They, sh- they sh- should have won. Mm. But like this was just a wild and wacky year. They're... Bengals were a team of destiny and I mean like I said that was they made it a winnable game that's all that was their strategy seeming all playoff long just make it a winnable game going into halftime and make the adjustments and pull it off now yeah they after that big play by Higgins which like yeah he snapped his neck there (laughs) um and went running down the field uh but they let that stuff go all game I have for the past like 12 hours since the game end I have seen screenshots and little gifts of people's of, from their TVs of just penalty after penalty that they let go. Okay, but so, that's but that's little ticky tack. That's not ticky tack. That was I mean, a, no, that was egregious. There was there was some egregious misses even at the that's end. That's about as egregious as it gets. But like no, but but I, but Higgins penalty on Ramsey's coverage it was, is about as egregious as it gets. Here's the thing, it's so fast and the ref was behind him, not in front of him. So he probably he saw some I can see hand how stuff and Ramsey went flying. He's like, I didn't know what to do, so I'm going to keep my hands in my pocket. I get how it happens, but it still doesn't change the fact that it's egregious. Real quick, Jesse, how many times over the course of an NFL season 
or even like just for the sake of this argument, right? Over the course of one game, do we see a flag get thrown by an official that is 20, 30 yards downfield mm. or just in any other direction away from the play where a penalty occurs? Like the ref is 20 yards away from the play? Right. Um, kind of all too often, I would say. So there was, I mean, here's the thing. There always are refs down the sideline, and there wasn't a ref far. It's just his angle kind of sucked to see that play. Mm. Now, there's a, usually a guy in the, deep in the middle of the field. Um, I don't know how far away he was. He could have seen it. Um, and here's the thing. If, if it's from the ref far away, and he gets the call correct, or I understand maybe what he saw, I'm not that upset with it. Mm. But you, you're right. Refs throwing the flag from a distance, it, bo- it bothers me in hockey, too where there's like a penalty and then it's like the ref in um, the neutral ice that made the call. It's like, what are you doing, dude? Like the, the guy close, let it go. Mm. So it, it could have been like the refs, maybe he saw something, but then he's like, oh, he didn't throw the flag. So he saw it better than I did. So maybe I won't. And it's just that kind of group thing going on. Mm. I mean, a lot of things can happen here. Worst case. I, I don't even want to nitpick that play to that point because I understand how missed calls happen. My point is just this. If... They were gifted basically all of their points in the second half. And if you flip the script and you took away Higgins and Nixon or Higgins and Boyd, do you think this game is even close? Probably not, but I think there were plays early in the game for Cincy to make where it could have possibly put them in better position. Yeah, probably. Oh, I think think Cincy made some mistakes that actually let them maybe lose this game early in the game. the, the, The... First one and probably the biggest one for me that comes to mind is that first fourth down. 100%. That since he went for it. Mm. Fourth and one, I love the call, hate the decision. Mm. Hate the decision. Why would you go to Chase there? You have two defenders closing in on him. Mm. You have T. Higgins by the sideline. There's not a single defender within five yards of him. He also had the back. Awful um, read for uh, just a screen if he needed to. Mm. Um, so if yeah, if he waited another second, like he had, he had options. Mm. Which I know he didn't have. He didn't have two seconds. But if he was willing to wait that extra second, like he could have made a play, maybe. Mm. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I, I just think. I mean, you look at this. I, I think there's no doubt the Rams are the better team. The Rams are basically missing two of their three best weapons throughout most of the game since he pretty much had everybody available. Um, they didn't have Uzama. He, I mean, he, I mean, he played, played, but he but wasn't. If you were to go down the list of weapons for the Bengals, I'm not saying Uzama's not talented or something, but the way they're I mean, offense I'd rather run, have Higgins, but... Uzama's probably... Or Higby, sorry. Uh, Uzama's probably what? Their fourth or fifth biggest weapon on offense? Yeah, but he's the yeah. number one tight end. He is, but... And that helps in blocking in the run game. But I think you could make the argument Uzuma is fifth. Boyd is even over him, too. I don't know, but I'm just saying you could make the argument. A couple of years ago, Devin Asiasi was the number one tight end on the <laughs> Patriots roster. That didn't mean a damn thing. Uh, I mean, for a while, everyone's Gronk retired. Like, I mean, even in the twilight years of Gronk with the Patriots, they they haven't they haven't had a tight end game for a little while. Mm, yeah. Although Hunter Henry bringing it back, mm. but we're not here to talk about the Patriots. All right. So, any closing thoughts on 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 my rant as far as? The media, me saying that this game really shouldn't even have been as well, close as it was. Is it not the media's job to get us excited? And games okay. like this where there is, I'm not saying you got a favorite. I'm not saying you got a call for a blowout, but I mean these guys who are. I feel like it was a lot of people who were trying to ride with Cincy 
on a lot of the talk shows like First Take and Undisputed and all those kind of things. Because that was kind of the cool thing to do. They're the underdog. I think you should be objective. They got more swag than the Rams. I think you should be being objective. No, I mean, you should be, but it, it, I will understand it is their job to sell the I game. I get that, but man, um, to me, from an objective objective perspective, there wasn't really a unit that the Rams weren't better than them, and where it really matters, where most football games actually come down to, which is in the trenches, you can't even make the argument that Cincy's O-line can hold up against the Rams' D-line, and it really didn't for the most part. Can I just throw in here real quick, Dom's point that he's making is spot on in the sense that, like, if, for me, it's part of the reason I don't bother watching any Super Bowl pregame anymore. There's just... Oh, I didn't so, watch anything. Everything is so over-perpetuated, <laughs> and there is so much grab-assery going on, I can't be bothered with it. Well, we, it was it's two weeks of lead-up, and then you think you're going to say something profound in the hour leading up to the game? No, you're just going to repeat the same things you've said for two weeks. Exactly. And, but I actually, I like his thing where it's overdone too. Every single football game, the very first thing you should look at is the line of scrimmage and trenches. I don't care about everything else. Let's look at that first. Because as I said, that's where most games are decided anyway. You can be as beautiful and better than everyone else on the outside and everywhere else. If you can't hold up at the line of scrimmage, I'm not picking your football team. That's what matters. That's why since he was 3 of 14 on first down. That's why since he basically did nothing on offense for most of the second half other than the times they were gifted points and could barely move the ball after the interception. Yeah, but like, I mean, here's the thing. You're right, and I said, if you look on paper, like, the Bengals, we weren't even really picking, no one was really picking them to be a playoff team, so why should we pick them now? But they, the Rams only did win by three points. And you're saying, oh, there was fluke plays and they were gifted points, but at the end of it, was they were, that they were missing two was, of their best three weapons? What, was that not the Bengals' mo? It was to just jump on these little opportunities that just kind of fall out of the sky. I I get that, but I'm still saying it was a magical horseshoe, and the media was kind of lucky that this game was as close as it was. I felt that. Okay, I didn't think I was going to enjoy this game really at all. <laughs> okay. All right, I think I think especially we're go- after the first couple drives when the Bengals didn't do much, and then that's the other. If you watch the beginning of the game, the Rams were on pace to like blow them out. Yeah, at first I was like, ooh, yeah, but then like th- blow then- them out. But then it, it turned into a pretty good game. It did. And I'm glad it was entertaining, but I I still feel what I feel on that one, and that is, I think it was it was horseshoe and luck that uh, had that game that close. All right, we can move on though. Rapid fire news, Jesse. Hey, Bef- rapid fire news. All right. First piece of rapid fire news. It's going to be all over the place today. Uh, hockey news. Tuka Rask has officially retired from the NHL. <laughs> oh, we're going to talk about that a little later in the show, though. Yes. A little more. But hey, I don't know if you guys know this. Some big news. The Los Angeles Rams have won Super Bowl 56, 23 to 20. Just want to put that in rapid fire news for you. Talk, you about, talk about profound thoughts, Jesse. Yeah. Yeah. That was, you know, some people might have missed that one. I'm glad that you put that in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I don't know if we said the score there, so now they have that. All right. Some more NFL news. Uh, you know, the NFL awards happen, and I felt it was a little shocking, at least based stat-wise. Um, not in how the league operates, though. But Aaron Rodgers is your 2021 NFL MVP. I don't really think that was deserving. Though. Can I just say that I feel like that MVP actually kind of makes him look bad why i don't know it's doesn't it feel just stupid it's kind of like 
I can totally picture the entire offensive, the starting offensive unit in Green Bay going, Aaron, what the hell? We just lost another playoff game. But he's standing there going, well, I didn't throw any interceptions. <laughs> I know, right? He does care way too much. That's part of my guys issue with his that game. block punt. Yeah. But like, one. I, I don't know. I just feel like that was one of the most ridiculous MV. I, not even saying but, statistically. Reg- I know it's a regular season award, so I get it. But just everything that happened, it just seems... Just so stupid afterwards. Yeah, I mean, I thought he was a top three candidate, but I thought yeah. he was third. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll we're, we have our own MVPs. We're going to talk about later yep. on the show. Anyway, finally from uh, uh, NFL news for this week in Fire News, uh, Adrian Peterson was arrested yesterday for an alleged domestic violence. Oh my gosh! That's all I have right now. I didn't even see that. Yeah, I saw that late last night, so I was like, oh, oh boy. All right. The NBA trade deadline just happened, so I'm going to break down what the Celtics did. It was a lot. Mm-hmm. It was a little messy. All right. They sent P.J. Dozier and other assets uh, to the Orlando Magic for a conditional second-round pick. They acquired Derek White from the Spurs in exchange for Josh Richardson, Romeo Langford, and their 2022 first-round pick. They reacquired, uh, I hope I pronounced this right, Daniel Theus from nice. the Rockets. Thice? Tice. Tice? Daniel Tice. Tice. Oh. Excuse me. Shows me how much I love basketball. From the Rockets in exchange for Dennis Schroeder, Bruno Fernando, and my favorite Celtic, Enos Freedom. And then he was released by the Rockets. Uh, So Enos Freedom is a free agent right now. Probably won't be picked up because the NBA doesn't like how he thinks. Mm -hmm. Uh, But anyway, speaking of how he thinks, hey guys, the Olympics are going on. I don't know if you know that. And it's been a disaster. <laughs> uh, the ratings are tank, tanking. Uh, the athletes are complaining about conditions and the food. I don't know if you've seen pictures, because I didn't watch it, but I've seen some pictures of like the ski long jump at the nuclear power plant. Mm-hmm. So don't watch the Olympics this year. It's a mess. And finally... And, you know, screw China. Screw China. This is yeah. like a throwback to the Sochi Olympics. Sochi? Yeah, oh yeah, they actually, you know, I do yeah. remember. I do remember the memes coming out of that one. That one was actually pretty funny too. Wait, was that the one that Putin said what he said too about gays beforehand and stuff? He Probably. might have. No, yeah, yeah, no, definitely, yeah. Okay, you know, a hundred percent. And actually, finally, for rapid fire news, it's gonna be it's all over the place today. Some MLB news. Mm-hmm. Uh, the MLB officially adopted the universal DH across the league. <gasps> yes, and I a. Know. There was one fan outside Dodger Stadium that protested it, and God bless that man. There's got to be one. All yes. Time. And that has been Rapid Fire News. We'll probably cover that segment eventually. We just can't do it this No, week. there's so much to cover today. Yes. All right. Well, with that, I mean, we're going to take it basically right back into Super Bowl talk. You know, we talked Rams there, because Dom had his particular thoughts about the Rams, but now the game is a whole. Mm. And, I mean... I said at the beginning of the show that at the beginning of the game, it could have been a blown out, blowout, but actually, I really enjoyed this game. And I'm sad the Bengals lost. I'm not surprised the Bengals lost because despite the fact that I picked them, yes, the Rams were a better team on paper. Uh, they were the favorite. But I was so close, and I'm still going to say it, of how vindicated I felt watching this game because the Bengals are good. And I felt the vindication of like, all right, they competed in the Super Bowl. That proves that this was a good team. And Sean McVay and the Rams almost kind of blew it. And when OBJ went down and 
uh, Aaron Donald, you know, he had some big plays. He made the, the, I guess you could say, the biggest play of the Super Bowl. He won the Super Bowl with um, that fourth down play. But for the most part, he was not the biggest factor. And I said, you know, way back when we talked about the Rams, how paper thin this team is. That if you can take out the first couple big pieces, this is just a regular old team. When OBJ went down, the offense did nothing. And the defense did enough with Von Miller and uh, them getting pressure Mm -hmm. on uh, Burroughs. But the Bengals still almost won this game. Sean McVay's schemes were just enough. I so wanted to crap on him today. But he, he... he did enough, and actually he had some really good play calls in that game-winning drive, so I will give him credit for that. The hat I'm not wearing is off to you. Um, but I did feel a lot of vindication from this game about what I've said and the complaints I've said about the Rams in the past of how paper-thin this team is. After the Stars, it, it kind of falls off, and the Bengals almost pulled it off. And I can't wait to see them again next year. All right, Brian, you can go first because I have a lot to say to what he just said. <laughs> So my my first thought here is like, how are we so sure that since he's not gonna come up flat next year? Oh, oh, I was gonna get to that. Oh, okay, okay, oh, okay. Oh, I so think. Oh, okay, I think I'm they will. Glad to know I'm not the only one here that's thinking that. Oh, I think they will. I mean, by the way, if you look at the history of the NFL, Super Bowl loser becomes loser period almost every single season. Yep. It's it's a weird thing in the NFL, but you can go back and look at it. Unless it's the Pats who lose during the dynasty years, and that years they were really good. A lot of the time, Super Bowl loser doesn't even make the playoffs the next season since he's not going to have a last place schedule, and their division, let's be honest, completely fell apart. It did, but it's still it's still super competitive. Yeah, but their division physically fell apart last it, last year. I mean, enough. Baltimore was on crutches. Yeah especially by the end of the year. Uh, I mean, Pittsburgh will probably get a quarterback at some point, and you think Baker's not going to have to play half the season with a, you know, separated shoulder. But, I mean, it, I mean, it's... <sighs> and the the biggest thing, too, is, is like I said, they're not going to have a last-place schedule again. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. I mean, like, how much <clears throat> how much do you think they're actually going to be able to do to improve this team going into the they have a lot of ca- They do have a lot of cap space, and I know Burrow has now made it so people are going to want to play with him. However, historically, extremely cheap ownership and franchise. And, you know, other than drafting a couple of good guys here and there, do I trust that they're always going to draft well? Not really. So, no, I don't, I truly, I don't think Cincy will make the playoffs next year. So, aside from that, my thoughts on the game are, and some of this you and I talked about last night. Mm Mm-hmm. Christ almighty. Um, so one of the first things, thank you, Jesse, that I took away from this game was I was very impressed with the amount of pressure that since he was able to get on Stafford early in the game mm-hmm. in early down situations, first and second down. And I think that would have been, I mean, that's a big part, you know, going up against an offense like that mm-hmm. where if you can put them in second and long, third and long, That'll do absolute wonders for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was actually surprised how much the Bengals' defensive line was able to compete with the offensive line of the Rams. They were hugely yeah. surprising last night. That and did I was surprise surprised me too. that the secondary was able to, I mean, 
look as good as they did too. I uh, uh, I don't think the secondary looked well, very that, good that until was OBJ the, went down. The weak point. Um, <laughs> I shouldn't say looked as good, but to a degree was able to sort of keep Stafford a little bit mm. in check, keep those receivers a little bit in check. You know, like I think those picks Stafford threw, like I think that's a little bit of Detroit Lion coming out. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, the first one was an underthrown ball a little bit. Yeah, but the first one was basically a punt. I know a little bit. Yeah. Um, so actually, it wasn't the biggest deal, and then the no points came out of it. I didn't have a huge issue with Stafford's picks. I thought the second one probably should have been caught by Chirac also. So, what, all right. I mean, he got his devil, hands on it. Just to play devil's advocate, what quarterback do you think played the better game? Oh, Stafford. 100%. 100%. I think Stafford, Stafford made the bigger throw. Stafford had to ring his team in when things were melting down around them in the second half. I mean, Stafford was missing multiple weapons. I mean, yes, he threw the two picks, but like I said, the one was off Chirac's hands. Did he throw it a little bit too hard? Yeah, but Chirac probably should bring that thing in. And then the last one, I think everyone just gets caught up on the pick thing. It was a, wasn't it a third down anyway. It was base, and that OBJ had just went down. It was basically just a punt. I have no issues with the first one because... At that point, it's third down. Clearly, nothing else was open, so might as well just chuck one up to the end zone and see if you can get a gift penalty or somehow Jefferson outplays him and outjumps him. That's true. Yeah, I mean, and like I said, maybe the ball was just a little underthrown, but it wasn't. Nothing came of it, so it wasn't that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, the second one. I mean, I don't. What they get? Did they get anything off that second one either? I don't think so. No. Um. So and yeah, it was a deflected ball. Mm-hmm. Hard to really blame those on the quarterback. Um, so I, I guess I say Stafford played a better game because, like, what did Joe Burrow do much of yesterday? He, had, he didn't he do had, much. He had some nice throws, some deep throws to Chase, but like, that's just that's just him having faith in Chase because Chase made some nice catches down the field. I and, and I don't want to make this. I don't want to make this a, a slam Burrow thing because I don't think he played. Hey, listen, he 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 didn't lose them the game either, and I don't think. I think at times he made some tried to make some big plays on big situations, but at the end of the day, I don't think it's his fault because every time it was a third down, he didn't have the time. I mean, that's why the three of fourteen. This isn't on Burrow. This is just on the fact that the Cincy roster is not as good. Well, actually, so let's say. But if you took out, this is another thing I had. If you took out the Higgins play, you know he doesn't even throw for two hundred yards in this game. Damn. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, he's, I was going to ask, like, if you let's say Cooper Cup. Let's say the Bengals make a goal line stand and win the game twenty to was it sixteen? Mm-hmm. Um, who wins MVP for the Bengals? Is it Higgins just for that one big play? Is, I mean, is it Jamar Chase because he because or Nixon? I mean, Nixon didn't do much either. Actually, oh, actually, what? he had the touchdown pass. He did. Actually, you know what? I do have a. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we've covered this. I do want to move on to a second thing on this while we're talking about the Super Bowl. I have a do have a bone to pick with Zach Taylor. I feel like they abandoned the run a little bit in the second half. They did, and they I don't totally know, and I don't know why they did that because they were running the ball well. And I did say if Cincy wins this game, that's going to be the key to it. They're going to have to run the ball because they can't protect Burrow in obvious passing downs. And I, I do think Taylor kind of abandoned the run a lot in the second half. Yeah, and one of the times he did call for a run was in a time I didn't, I don't crap on him too much. That uh, third. That, that third, third down. down on the last drive. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't blame him too much for it. It's just like the play design mm-hmm. was kind of crap. Yeah. 
But I remember a couple of times on their three and outs, and I know it's a three and out, so things happen really fast, and you only called so many plays. But I remember at least two of the three and outs in that second half, they were through on the first down as well. They were throwing on like every down, and I was like, Taylor, you're abandoning what got you here. What are you doing? They even mentioned in that in that drive where Mixon threw the touchdown pass. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the, the reason that play works so well is because they bit so hard in the run because the run works so well on that drive. Oh, yeah. Their best drive of the game was all Nixon pounding the football until, like you said, on that toss play action, he threw it. So I have Mixon's stat line here, which isn't bad, but can Zach Taylor give me three good reasons why Joe Mixon only had 15 rushing attempts to Ex- your point? Exactly. I mean, like I said, an it's, unknown it's injury that fifteen we didn't know attempts about. for seventy-two yards, longest run. Was I mean, 15. what did he average per carry? Almost five yards a carry, right? Four point eight yards a carry. That's almost five Why yards. Not a ca- feed that kid. No, yeah. all game long. I know it. They they really did abandon the run. That that is on Zach Taylor a little bit. And and you know what? This happened. Sean McVay did this at times during the regular season too, um, where he would just get caught up in the fact that he had the wideouts and he had Stafford, and he would do that. A lot of coaches do that but that is a that was a big problem for me uh watching the game uh and and a mark on zach taylor a little bit these things happen it's a super bowl he's young but no that was that was a big problem especially like i said clearly the best drive of the game i since was all about nixon running the football yeah so i mean there was a couple of things i feel like he was being a young coach about mm-hmm. we've mentioned that fourth down early in the game um that the the scheme late where you're the Rams were in the red zone, like they clearly were trying to make the goal line stand, and I don't know if that was the best idea because when Stafford tried to do that sneak, mm. you always should have like yanked him into the end zone at that yeah, point. Give because, yourself time because if you were going to stop him there at that point, you have to stop him mm-hmm. almost. And now the next play get in, they got in, so you actually did kind of have some time, but still, if you had more time. Mm, I get it. No. So, uh, so, what do you guys think of Taylor's play calling on the very last couple of plays here? Like, would you, like if 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 either of you guys are Zach Taylor, right, or whoever's calling the plays for Cincy, are you gonna have him lined up in shotgun? Yeah, because I just don't think this. Are you talking about on the last drive? The very last drive. Yeah, because you're not gonna fool anyone by him being under center at all for the most part. I mean, run a the ball only, play there or something. I mean, he, you, but they did remember they did it on the third down, and Nixon couldn't get there, and they had to call no, timeout. No, it wasn't. It was. Um, it wasn't a draw, but it was no, a it run. Wasn't, it wasn't Mixon. It was the backup. I can't remember. Oh, P. Ryan. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It was Samaj P. Ryan, which is also kind which, of odd. He, I mean, he is the short he, yardage rusher. He's the bigger guy. That's true. But I don't so, know. I didn't like that play design. It's like the no. call, I kind of understood. I was thinking it myself, like, oh, just pick up this first down and use one of the timeouts but you didn't get the first down and blew one of the timeouts yeah yeah you know i don't i i get the nitpicking on that maybe the play design wasn't great i didn't have a huge issue with any of his play calling in the last drive though to me it just came down to and i and i was talking to my family too and i said this when he said burrow's getting the ball i think i said it to you you too because you were there and you go oh we're going overtime and i went no because the cincy old line is not going to be able to hold up to the fact that the rams know they have to throw it now so i, I didn't have a huge issue with his play calling on that last drive I have an issue with the fact that I feel like he forgot about the run play in general though in the second half alright I do have one on your paper thing though paper thin thing though I don't know why you think that 
I mean, Weddle's a good safety. Ramsey's still one of the best corners. Weddle got injured. He did. But there's Donald, there's Floyd, and there's Von Miller. And like I said, they won this game despite, if you want to go back in the season, no Robert Woods, and then OBJ mid-game and Higby last game. So three, I mean, three guys gone on offense, two of the best three weapons within the playoffs. So I don't... I don't see your paper thin thing. No, right. I mean, it's what I said of like, hey, I mean, they did go out and get Von Miller. That obviously had a depth. They didn't have him when I first said that. Um, but it's like I, I made the point of if you take out at the time um, Aaron Donald, that mm-hmm. pretty much neutralizes a lot of the pass rush. And, you know, obviously Von Miller uh, changes that dynamic a little bit. But the pass rush wasn't that bad until the end of the um mostly actually the beginning of the game and then the end of the game. But for the middle, they they dealt with it pretty well. You know why they dealt with it? Much better than I thought they would. Do you know why they dealt with it? Because they were running the ball with Nixon effectively. Uh, That is true. That's exactly why they were able to deal with it. Um, But, and then, you know, OBJ was, you know, catching the ball over him. But then once he went down... Didn't have anybody, and yeah, oh, Higby didn't play, and Robert Woods was already well. That's why but gone. You're but. exactly, you're literally proving my point. Though. That's what I'm saying. How how handicapped they were, and they still won the game. But yeah, that's the thing. You you took out these couple things, and but if you took out if you if, took out if they played the Chiefs, Bills, they were not winning this game. If you took away Kelsey from the KC offense, not even taking away two people, just take away Kel- Kelsey from the KC offense. I mean, yeah, they had the how, same problem. How much when they function? No, I said I, they have the same problem. I mentioned that, but okay. we're not talking about the Chiefs. I know, I get no, that. I think I just, I just, a healthy Chiefs would have beat this Rams team. Yesterday. Oh, I don't, I don't think so. I think they would have. Oh yeah, they would have. I, I think mean, the wait, Bills wait, 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 wait. The Rams team that <clears throat> got handicapped throughout the game, yes, yes, KC would beat them. If the Rams had everyone available, I, I think the Rams would beat KC. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I think they would. That's a close call, though. I think they would. But like, I That's mean, a close call. I mean, KC has too many horses for Christ's sake. I, I don't think they do. I mean, and I think the Rams D line could do similar things to what the Bucks D line did to them in the Super Bowl. They could, but I st- I think Mahomes in his own right is talented he's, enough. Where, he's this though. He's a uh, that's he's, yeah dips in that. I I actually do think maybe the Bills would have beaten the Rams though. I think the Bills are a tougher matchup actually for the Rams. But anyway, the last thing I want to go to is, I mean, I like I like that you brought this up. The presentation, the job that NBC did. What did you think about that? I I was pretty much part. I mean, I guess I don't really watch pregame. I don't watch halftime show. I I liked the way that the game was done and presented. I thought it was great. Mm. Looked awesome. Sounded awesome. I've always liked Michaels and Collinsworth. Mm-hmm. I mean, every now and again you get Collinsworth going. <laughs> now here's a guy. Just, just we know, <laughs> we know. Yeah. But uh, yeah. It's, it's aside from Collinsworth doing the couple of Collinsworth things that you're pretty much guaranteed to get out of them <laughs> every time you watch a Michaels and Collinsworth broadcast. I thought the presentation was awesome. Like I said, looked great, sounded great. The halftime show. Can we take a second for that too? When was the last time we got a halftime show that good? You're you're talking to the wrong person, Brian. Really? I I didn't, I didn't watch it. I, yeah, I didn't see it either. I didn't watch the halftime show. So so so. You know, it, it, here's the thing. I don't. Know, <laughs> I heard good things. I heard good things too. I was just, I assumed that there was going to be some sort of political thing that was thrown in there, and I just didn't want to deal with it. The most political thing that they did 
was that part of the stage setup mm-hmm. that they had was a white building. So everyone's going, oh, it's the White House. It's the White House. No, it's not. Mm. Oh, okay. It's, it's, I mean, hey, maybe I'll look it up and It is a I'm structure applaud. that happens to be I'm gonna white. applaud. I'm going <laughs> to applaud the NFL then and NBC then. And I kind of wish I watched the halftime okay, show I, just to see that nothing back, happened. Go back. I'll go back and, and watch, watch it. it. I'll go back and, and watch it. And report back. Okay, I, mean, I, will. I will. I just I need opinions. I just haven't watched the halftime show because <clears throat> halftime is when I go to the bathroom, get food, mm-hmm. do a whole bunch of other things. So I just didn't see it. No, I got it. It's you. nothing against. I mean, I like Snoop Dogg. I like some Eminem. Mm-hmm. I like some Dr. Dre. Who else came out? I saw that picture of Fiddy upside Kendrick. down. Fitty, oh yeah, uh, Mary J. Blige. Yeah, I heard she didn't get paid to be there. <laughs> really? Yeah, I heard she didn't make a dime. Really? What a crock! Yeah, that's crazy. Snoop just bought Death Row Records the other day, and you can't give Mary J. Blige a little stipend. I didn't know Come Death on. Row Records he, was still up and running. He used all the money for Death Row Records, I guess. All right, all right, we're getting off track. We're getting off track. Actually, can I just say one more thing? I wanted to defend yes. what I said with the Bengals will be back because okay, yeah, yeah, this is still a pretty well-rounded team mm-hmm. they obviously still need to fix the line and if you focus on that like then the offense is pretty solid i think one of the best at least in the afc um and then the defense you know just a little couple things here and there i think so that's why i think this team could at least be a playoff team next year competing in their um pretty tough division we, we'll see what the steelers and the uh, browns do this offseason to get back in it mm-hmm. but and if the ravens can get healthy but I, I, I think that's why I think this team. Just take a couple moves, and you'll you'll be a good team for a little while. Can I give you a stat? Joe Burrow has never beaten the Cleveland Browns. Really? Nope. It's interesting. Do you know why? I mean, he's only played them four, you know times, four times at most. Do you know why? Because the Browns on that front seven and the Browns' ability to run the ball on Cincy well, are the weakness of Cincy. They just match up really well. That's why you focus, Cincinnati, on your offensive line. No, I know. And? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not saying they're going to go, like, into the toilet, like, win five games. I just think I think they'll be right back in the middle of the pack of the AFC North. and uh, Mediocre. Yeah, and I don't think they'll make the playoffs because the division is going to get better, in my opinion, and because if you look at the history of the NFL, the team that loses the Super Bowl usually falls off quite a cliff. So, we are going to wrap up our NFL season in review real quick with some awards and some stuff. Jesse, get us started with the first one. Who was your MVP? Okay, so I, you know, I mentioned that Aaron Rodgers could have been in the conversation, but he's my third. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other two would be Cooper Cup with one of the greatest, I mean, receiving seasons of all time. uh, And Tom Brady. Okay. And I picked Tom Brady. All right. Because it's the quarterback awards. All right. Brian. Who is your MVP? So, mine and Jesse's are basically right in line. Okay. I would have gone either Brady, uh, Cooper Cup, or uh, if not either of those two, or that insufferable pud in Green Bay. (laughs) Uh, I call him a Karen of the NFL. Jonathan Taylor? What? That's who I have. Really? Uh, Does the Colts' offense even function without Taylor? No, it doesn't. Like, at all? Like... At all. Aside from Jonathan Taylor, the best thing the Colts offense has going for it is Frank Reich as the coach. Yeah, that offense cannot function without Jonathan Taylor. That is one of that is the most dependent offense I've ever seen on one player that's not a quarterback. They have a wideout. They have two. Who? 
Hilton's the other one. Come on, Hilton. Hilton has lost a couple of steps. A little bit, but he, 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 whatever. Pittman is decent, but Pittman doesn't blow the top off of a defense either. This Their offense doesn't even function without Taylor. Jesse, so real quick, let me ask you why you're so surprised that I would say Jonathan Taylor. 1,811 yards on 322 attempts. 18 touchdowns and five and a half yards of carry. Well, he's the best running back, but I think most people, one, they didn't make the playoffs, and two, he's not a quarterback. Fair and enough. because he can be neutralized still are why people didn't put him. Listen, I mean, where did he finish in the MVP voting? I don't even know, actually. Uh, exactly. Um, but here's the thing. And I think Jonathan Taylor is one of the best running backs in the NFL. But And he only got his name praised after Derrick Henry went down. And he, like everyone else, was getting blown out of the water in the rushing yard race by Derrick Henry. Yeah. It took him two weeks to tie Three weeks to pass him. Yeah, but he didn't start the year great, but he finished the year great. Okay, so and let like, me... I don't want to. I don't want to say that's bashing Jonathan Taylor. No, I know. I get it. I get that's it. That's one reason why I, I didn't even think of him, to be honest. Okay. Let me play devil's advocate with you here, real quick. If if Derrick Henry plays a whole season, right, and amasses all of the, I think he would have been in the MVP conversation. Yeah. Okay, so if he is, why isn't Taylor right? Because uh, Jonathan Taylor was. Uh, didn't put up the 2,000-yard-plus season that Derrick Henry was definitely on pace for. I guess. 1,800 I yards is still 1,800 oh, yards. that's a lot. That's an, a great season. What, he had 18 touchdowns, did you say, as well? And my thing is, and my and thing, yards of carry. despite how much we've ripped Tannehill recently, the Titans' offense, even without Henry, is, is still more functional than what the Colts' offense was without Taylor. And actually, I will say uh, Derrick Henry has better wideouts to play with also. But... Yeah. Um, yeah, they have these running backs have the same problem. Mm. Their quarterback leaves a lot to be desired. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to move on to the next one. Coach of the year. I have Mike Tomlin because I don't understand how the heck Pittsburgh won some of the games that they won and made the playoffs. Big Ben looked like the worst quarterback in the league. He could barely throw the ball more than five yards. They're one of the most incompetent offenses. And yet, Tomlin play, I mean, the way he'd coach up his team in big games, the defense. The winning culture of Pittsburgh, as much as sometimes the culture gets on my nerves, it's still a winning culture. Uh, I, I think it was coaching, culture, grit that got them nine wins in the playoffs. I don't understand how that team wasn't six and you know eleven. Mm, okay, so. Brian. You know I said Zach Taylor before the show. Now we talked about abandoning the run. You don't want to pick him. <laughs> yeah. I don't. It's a regular season award, though, Brian. And after that case that you put up for Tomlin, as much as I can't stand him either, we will make the necessary adjustments week by week. You put up a hell of an argument we, for the guy. We have a, I, mean, I think we have a very skewed view of Pittsburgh and Tomlin being in New England because we beat them so much. And we unfairly compared them to the Pats instead of trying to compare them to, you know, their contemporaries in the rest of the NFL. Breaking news here. Oh, really? Real quick. Yeah. Tyler Toffoli to the Calgary Flames for a first and a fifth round pick. Calgary's an idiot. <laughs> All right. So, you're going to go with Tomlin? I think I might go with Tomlin. Right here, you, buddy. You've convinced me. Right there. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, because, uh, I mean, I also considered Zach Taylor... Is a regular season award. Mm-hmm. Um, 
another game name I considered was possibly Bill Belichick. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went with Bill Belichick. Okay. And I, the reason I didn't pick Tomlin, uh, a lot of it is like, well, if if this was last year, you missed the playoffs because there's one more team that made the playoffs this year. Mm. And I hate I hated that. Okay. I mean, I liked it because it made chaos, but like I was like, this this team there's a team in each league here that just shouldn't be here. Mm. So I will I'm not going to disagree with all those things you said. Like he, he was a part of the big reason why he just willed that team to the playoffs. But I don't know. Bill Belichick had, I think, one of his better seasons as a head coach. And, you know, he's just had his name praised so much that we don't even consider him for coach of the year because it's like, well, he's just like, he's just the guy. We know he's going to be good. So let's just give it to somebody else. But with all these uh, free agents and the new quarterback that. Rookie, rookie, rookie quarterback. Yeah. Um, that ended up better than we expected. So I, I, I'm going to be biased and say. Tom Brady for my MVP, and then Bill Belichick for my coach of the year. So I see where you're coming from on the Belichick being coach of the at least from your perspective, but I I think Bill getting coach of the year honors would be more deserved if he did it with a roster that was... Oh, the roster is still pretty good on paper, but... Closer to as abysmal as last year. Sure, no, of course. Going and on actually, a quarter of a billion dollars. I was more, they also fell off no, bad I, at the end. I was more on the Belichick should get coach of the year hype train around like, you know, week when week, they were on week a, twelve, thirteen, and then it, it fell. I was like, Oh, I understand if he's not. Yeah, I gotcha. Because yeah, it didn't it didn't go well at the end. All right. Most disappointing season. Jesse, I'll let you start this one now. Now you said this could be kinda of almost anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, player, it could have been a player or a team. I picked the Cleveland Browns. Oh, we're the same then. I kind of thought we might be. Yes. Because, I mean, we... Now, you picked them to win the division. I picked them to probably lose the division to the Ravens. um, But still make the playoffs. still make the playoffs. And it just... It kind of just didn't work. I mean, to me, it's inarguable that this is the best roster to not make the playoffs. Yeah. And now there's a lot of excuses. A lot went wrong. Um, OBJ fell apart. Whether that's his fault or the team's fault, I'm not 100% going to say. But, like... I kind of feel maybe the team's fault. Um, you know, Baker Mayfield is injured. He just wasn't 100%. He leaves a bit to be desired, but, like, he clearly was not playing up to what he can play to. The defense was a little disappointing. Um, maybe that had to do with how many free agents they brought in. Um, so, I mean, all around, they kind of just disappointed. Mm-hmm. Brian? So I'm not going to go, per se, most disappointing season as far as bookends go, mm-hmm. but I, I will probably go New England. Okay. Just for the way that they ended the year. Okay. Like you can't rattle <clears throat> off seven or eight wins straight that win streak that they went on, mm-hmm. and, and then dud at the end of the exactly. year. Exactly. Walk around like you're, you know, the yeah. cat's ass again. Yeah, between between the Miami loss. I've never heard that. I know, and then the way that they lost to Buffalo, and the way they lost to Buffalo even the, the second time in the regular and, season, And not too. only that, like, it's, yeah, you beat a couple of good teams that, on paper, look really good, mm-hmm. but when you played them... Yeah, you, you played half of the Titans. Exactly. You played half of the Titans. The Browns just... I don't even know what happened to the... Like, the... 
that game confused the ever-living hell out of me. The Browns game? Yes. Like, how did Cleveland, on that opening drive, march down the field in the commanding fashion that they did? And then never do another thing. Literally <laughs> never do nothing. You talk about abandoning the run. I know, they really did. I do remember that one. That was weird. That was a weird game, especially a team that's built on running the football yeah, as much I, as they are. As yeah. much as I hate to say it, I think well, I'm going to go the Patriots on okay. this one. I don't have much to say because mine is the same as yours, the Cleveland Browns. So we'll move on to the next one. The Darwin of the NFL season. This doesn't have to be someone we actually gave a Darwin to during the year. It could just be anyone that should win it for the season. Mine is the corner for the Raiders, David Arante, for posting on his social media uh, a gun and talking about how he was going to kill somebody. And shoot them, and ended up getting him cut in the end. So I, I, if that's not a Darwin, I don't know what is. So <laughs> Jesse, what was your Darwin of the NFL season? Mine, uh, I went with the Miami Dolphins. Okay, because although your year actually wasn't horrible, it was disappointing because you had some playoff aspirations, and although the fact that you did have a seven-game winning streak and one and when won the last game of the season. You fired your coach, and it's been such a mess since. <laughs> and you fired a good coach, and then you hired a guy that I want to kind of just punch in the face when I look at him. Looks <laughs> like he's gonna try to sell you crypto after he hands you. Oh, your that's a good one. I've <laughs> heard, I've seen a lot of memes describing this dude, and that is a good one. I haven't seen that he's one. He's gonna try to sell you crypto after he hands you your macchiato at Starbucks. <laughs> I heard I did I did hear the barista comment. I didn't hear the crypto part, but Colin Cowherd actually called him a barista. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's why I feel the Miami Dolphins because they they had a a decent situation and a good coach, and now we got lawsuits and yes. Also, here's the other thing to throw in there: the caveat too. They also, in at least in my opinion trashed their own season with all the Deshaun Watson rumors earlier oh, in the yeah, year. Yeah, sure. I think that totally blew things up in the locker room for like the first like five or six weeks probably yeah yeah 100% we talked about that a lot during the season I don't know if we talked about this the last time I was on the show because the last time I was on we talked a lot about the Flores lawsuit and Ross and this whole Miami debacle um but to your point Dom about all the uh Deshaun Watson hoopla Mm -hmm. that was going on in Miami do you think part of the reason they let Flores go was because like, I get the impression that Flores, maybe not huge, but is to some degree a big Tua guy. No, no, it was, so, the, oppo- no, it was the opposite. It was the opposite. Not, he doesn't no, it was the opposite. It was the GM and the owner believed in better. Tua, and Flores didn't. Okay. So Flores was actually the one who probably was really lobbying for Deshaun behind the scenes. Okay, so I got But I will say this, here. but to me, it's still not on Flores, because Flores is only telling them. Flores at the mic said all the right things. To me, this is on the GM and the owner. You either get the deal done or you don't, and you keep telling the media where this is fake news. We're not into it. There was also rumors that he said to Tua that they wish he had Burrow or Mac Jones or a couple other ones. Yes, there was that. I don't know if I believe that. I think that was a lot of Miami trying to... Maybe. uh, Trying to destroy his character because of the blowback they got for firing him. But But there is that... There was, it was known that he wasn't the biggest fan of Yeah, Tua. Yeah, Flores was not a Tua fan. That was actually part of their disagreements with him in the front office. So, okay. That has been it for our uh, NFL well, season in review. Pick a Darwin. Oh, yeah, no, he didn't. I forgot. Brian, 
I'm sorry about that. Who is your Darwin? We also talked about this before the show. I'm with you. You cannot. <laughs> you cannot post on your social media. Post stuff like that on social media. So. Whatever you have coming to you, you deserve all of it. <laughs> it's so stupid. It really is one of the dumber things I've ever seen. Him and Stephen Ross. Yeah, honestly, yeah. All right. We're going to take a quick break, guys, before we get into the next stuff. Flores, uh, his legal team's new comment, and it's a little bit of NBA, Lakers, Harden trade, everything like that. So stick with us, guys. We're going to take a quick break. Welcome back, everyone, to Slow Your Roll. We are done, for the most part, it seems, with a lot of our NFL talk. We're going to have some more right here on the legal side of the Brian Flores stuff. We're going to go to some NBA and some other stuff, but uh, we're done now with the Super Bowl and the regular season, for the most part. But with that, Brian, I'm going to turn it over to you, actually, to start this next segment. Awesome. So uh, the first thing I want to get into here is, uh, did, did either of you guys see the statement that Stephen Ross and Roger Goodell came out with uh i did not I think it was either today or yesterday in regards to this whole lawsuit oh no i did not i saw ross's first statement he put yes. out i did not see the second one okay yeah. so the way like miami brass and the league as a whole mm-hmm. is sort of playing this whole thing is driving me up a wall mm. because they're handling it so sort of lax and like it's just any other thing like, it's that, not a big deal. Yeah. Like, oh, oh, come on, man. It's not that bad. Yeah, and and I was reading Goodell's statement a couple of hours ago, and it was basically something to the effect of, you know, we're going to do everything in our power to ensure that the, you know, the league's integrity is not damaged. Hmm. And he kind of just threw in a, sta- like, a little filler at the end about how, Oh, and we're going to make sure that we do our due diligence as far as making sure that minority candidates actually get jobs. Like, you cannot just throw that in there so casually like you're giving the people and the pundits and all of these minority coaching candidates a bone. That's not how it works. Mm. Um, there was some talk uh, from the league about the Rooney rule yeah, the I other did, day. I, did see I that. sent you the I did read that. memo mm-hmm. that the league had written up last October about some of the amendments and the changes they were going to make to that rule, which is just, you were saying they're borderline insulting. Yeah, they kind of are. Um, Another thing I want to touch on real quick is last week when I was on the show with you guys, I posed the question, does the Lovey Smith hiring Mm -hmm. in any way, shape, or form play into this or have any sort of part in the narrative? And sure enough, within a couple of days, Mm. we got a whole statement from Flores and his legal team about 
oh, well, the, the Texans just chose not to hire me because I came up with this lawsuit. You can't do that. No, no. You're going backwards. Mm. You're giving yourself a bad look, and now you're giving the league way more of a leg to stand on. And they were in the running for the Darwin Award for that statement. Mm -hmm. What is the point? Yeah, it's not like I disagree still with Flores' cause, but I don't know how they let that go out from the legal team. I don't either. Like, if you're going to comment on it, congratulate Smith mm -hmm. and say, this is a step forward. This is a step in the right direction. This is a step towards amending the issues for which I even brought this lawsuit mm -hmm. to the table. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It's a massive, massive step. And backwards. the sec and the second comment, and how it relates to the other thing that they said is he, the one that really got my attention. Not just that he didn't get it because of the legal thing. He said the only reason Flores didn't get it is because it's like, what is? Are we are we crapping on Lovey Smith? Is Lovey yeah. Smith not qualified? So I mean, it it look it makes Flores look me oriented. Petulant, you know? I'm so glad you mentioned that. Because in the agenda that I had written up that I sent you a picture of, mm -hmm. I wanted to just for the hell of it, mm -hmm. based on the comment that Dom just brought up, the only reason they didn't hire me, mm -hmm. that's not the only reason, Brian, as much as I like you. Mm -hmm. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> I did a deep dive on Lovey Smith, and I did. Lovey Smith has has had a lot of success. Actually, there's not. You can't do a very deep dive on Flores because his coaching positions haven't really been super relevant. Mm. Well, he's been in the Patriots for outside, a long time. Well, it's been outside a of the up. last few years. Yeah, right. Before 2014, 2015, mm. maybe. You didn't really ever hear a whole lot about Brian Flores, did you? No. No, he was like a linebacker's coach for a while with the Patriots. Yep. So I did a dive on Lovey Smith and pulled up his records, where he was, what his uh, position was mm -hmm. at those times. So the first thing that I found, and I didn't realize this when I looked it up the other day, uh, the 2001 Rams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was the defensive coordinator on that team. Oh, I didn't even realize that, actually. I didn't know that either. The 06 Bears that went 13-3, and probably no team was going to beat that 06 Colts team. Mm -hmm. Lovey Smith was the head coach. Yeah. Ron he Rivera was did. the D.C. Mm -hmm. If you take away his abysmal 8-24 and record in Tampa Bay... Between 2014 and 2015, the guy's got a pretty commendable coaching record. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, uh, this is why, I, and, and this is what made the comments so much worse. And the pundits in the media talking about the only reason, because the pundits did it too on First Take and Undisputed and all these other shows. Like, this is only because of the thing. And, and, and you know, I didn't put it in fair and foul because we have so much to cover. But I, I think that's wrong. I do I don't think they hired Lovey Smith just because of the Flores legal suit. I really don't. Because the Texans had just hired David Colley, who's African American and older. What the Texans do compared to the rest of the league is weird anyway. And the fact that they hired someone as old as Colley last year and now they're going with another experienced guy this year in Lovey Smith at least makes you kind of consistently think that they want they're not into the young thing as much. They want experience. Yeah. And so 
And the McDaniel one to me, also people were trying to say that's because of the uh, suit too. My thing to that is everyone who's associated with Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan is getting head coaching jobs. So that's the other reason why I don't I don't even know if the McDaniel one is related to the lawsuit either. Because that's consistent with the trend that's going around the entire league, which is if you've if you've been with McVay or Shanahan, I mean Kingsbury was just friends with him and had like a lunch with him and they're like, No, nope, we gotta get Cliff Kingsbury. So I mean the McDaniel one is at least consistent with the trend going around the league as well. Yeah, and also if you're if you're Brian Flores' team, like when the, when you released this suit, you came out and said, like, hey, I am risking my NFL career. I understand what I'm doing. I am doing what I feel is just the right thing, regardless of how I look to the rest of the league. So then, then you come out and complain that, well, I didn't get this job because of that. It's almost like you made – Are you were you making that comment mm-hmm. to set yourself up for saying in the future you're going to get discriminated against too? Because that's a terrible look. Because mm-hmm. I was – like I said – I'm on his side too. I don't know how this will stand up in court and how you're going to prove the case that this is 100% discriminatory, but I understand where he's coming from. And n- now, like, it's like, man, just just do the case. Mm-hmm. Stop making all these comments about, like, every all these hires because it's not a good look. It's really not a good look, especially after what he said. Mm-mm. No, not at all. Brian, any, any final comments? Do you have your thing on the McDaniel? I, I want you to comment too on the fact that I said not just from the Flores legal team and now what's happened in like you know all the other pundits talking about they only hired Smith and McDaniel now because of the legal suit do you think that's true or do you think what I've laid out you think is is perfectly viable I mean I guess maybe a sliver of it might be true for the fact that like the owners look at him and say well if we bring this guy in maybe it brings us a little bit of negative PR but look at his resume yeah his his I mean, you can't say this for every coach. You can't. We've seen it all too many times. A bad coach inherits a good team, mm-hmm. uh, a la Rex Ryan and the 2010-2011 Jets. Mm-hmm. Like, not a horrible coach. Yeah, but, but Blovey Smith Bears team, I mean, the defense was great, but you, his quarterback was Rex Grossman. Right. And they went 13-3. and three. So, it's actually, glad, glad you said that, because I have a, some more numbers on him. So, uh, Lovey Smith got hired as the Bears coach in 2004. So, just for the hell of it, I wanted to see what the 03 Bears looked like. Mm-hmm. They were 7-9. and nine. They finished third in the NFC North. Uh, 23rd in the league, points for. 22nd in points against. Mm. The next year, they went 5-11, and 11, finished last in the division, finished dead last in the league in points for. They were 13th in the league in points against. Okay. Um, so, so that's just a little bit more on uh, Smith there in relation to this mm-hmm. uh, topic. But uh, to answer your question, I think it's a little bit of both. I think the owners are worried that, yeah, maybe bringing in a guy like Flores brings negative PR. It brings uh, unnecessary distractions. But no, no. I was talking about though that Lovey Smith and McDaniel only got hired to make the NFL try and look better because of Flores' suit. That's what I was talking about, and I was trying to destroy that narrative because I, I, I think Lovey's qualified. No. I think the Texans thing makes sense if you look. Lovey's at, to your point, yes, Lovey's qualified, and it and makes sense Mc, considering Mc, what Mc, the Texans had just done by yeah. hiring older David Cauley the year before. Yep, yep. and I mean the McDaniel's hire that was and and kinda, Smith was in house too. That was imminent. Yes. Exactly. 
And it comes from the Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay thing right. that's going that, on in that the league. That mold that everyone's looking for. Exactly. Sort of a young, upstart. Mm-hmm. You know, offensive. Offensive-minded. I mean, McDaniels isn't necessarily young anymore, but he's, you mm-hmm. know, it's not like he's a Belichick or a no. Bruce Arians. No. No, not at all. All right. From that, I think we can move on to the next one. Some NBA talk. These will go quicker. But James Harden has forced his way out of his second team in, what, just two years? I think it was. So, I mean, everyone in Philly, from what I've talked to, isn't that happy about the trade. And a lot of people are thinking that the Sixers gave up too much. I don't really feel that way just because Harden will be motivated to play and play at an elite level because he's going to have bad PR and he just tried to force his way out of a second place. He will be motivated to play as at the best that he can. And superstars do win in the NBA as much as I don't like Harden. You gave up Ben Simmons, who wasn't playing anyway for the Sixers because he didn't want to be there. You gave up role guys and Andre Drummond and Curry and the two first-round picks. But first-round picks in basketball are like... There's about three to four players a year in a draft that make a difference. And I after was, that, it's it's I a whole lot of irrelevant. just going to say, if you have a pick after number five, what... Yeah. What I mean, the NBA draft is is very irrelevant. It really is. Um, so I don't, I don't think it's a bad trade for Philly... Does it hurt that they gave up Seth Curry and Drummond? Yes. But they're going to get a motivated Harden who needs to play at a high level to, you know, revamp his image around the rest of the league. So I think it's a good trade for the Sixers. Uh, The Nets, on the other end, I don't think it's a bad trade because they had to get Harden out of the building. Uh, I think Simmons on paper fits with their team. How motivated Simmons is to play, I don't know. But he at least gives Brooklyn depth where they needed it. I think it's it's at the end of the day, I don't think it's game changing for anybody though. And this is goes into the NBA's problem. Their players are just so unlikable. I mean, James Harden has once again shown that he's a quitter. He's a bailer. That's what he is. And he bailed his way out of his second team in two years. So I don't know. That's that's my take on it. So that is exactly the well, not the whole reason, but that's part of why I texted you the other day and said, "Can we talk about how much of a gross overpayment this is?" Mm-hmm. Not just from what, the, from a standpoint of what they gave up, but from the standpoint of the kind of guy they're getting back yeah. for what they gave up. But he'll be extra motivated at least, I think, for the first season that he's there. And then what? <laughs> then, then you cross your fingers. What and do hope. you? Even, I know you cross your fingers well, and hope. Right. Let's say he is motivated. But Simmons was. But past, Simmons was done. Simmons I, was done. I feel in like Philly. at this point, if you're willing to deal with Harden, you're like, well, let's win today and and deal with it tomorrow, yeah. kind of thing. Which I get. And like I said, Simmons was done. Simmons was never going to play again for Philly and, anyway. And how much? How much longer is this window even open for Philly? It's not long. Much, it's not so open I, much longer. I, Go for it. Yeah. I don't think it's the and worst to thing be honest, in the world. I, I kind of like what the Nets got, too. Do yeah. I think? Do I like Ben Simmons? No, but he doesn't have to shoot anymore. No, I think Ben works at least with what the Nets have yeah. a little bit. And Someone they, who can get the ball to people and play, and play defense. Because you know Kyrie and Durant don't really love playing defense. Yeah, and you, got, a, you got rid of yourself a shooter also. In a sense, though, Jesse, isn't Philly's hypothetical window almost in a sense contingent upon how long Embiid stays because if nothing else say Harden's done after the season right with Philly let's for all intents that's probably best case scenario for them so you have one more year if he goes Mm -hmm. you you still have a very 
talented young star there that's <laughs> obviously good enough and well-liked enough around the league and amongst some of the elite players where he's enough of a draw for these guys. Mm. Like, Harden came out over the weekend, I think it was, and basically said, look, I tried to get Embiid to come to Houston, mm. and it could make it happen. Mm. So if nothing else, you know that even if Harden goes, now that Simmons gone too, you still have oh, a yeah. draw there. I think getting rid of Simmons really so that inspires Embiid more. Does it? To stay with the team and want to win with this team. So I think that sort of expands that window that you're talking about. Mm. Yeah, maybe a little bit. And hey, actually, Maybe if Harden and Embiid really click and they work well together and they enjoy playing together, maybe, yeah, this window can stay open for a little bit longer. Hmm. But I do think this is, well, we're going for it definitely right now. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what I see from it. Okay. Yeah. But, there, I mean, there could be, yeah, getting rid of Simmons because Embiid, I mean, he immediately went on Twitter and posted that picture of, I'm just here to make sure he's dead. Um, <laughs> so he clearly is glad that he's gone. So... I mean, you make a good some good points. This could open the window, I guess, for another year or two after. But it will when it closes. It's closed. Yes. The other thing that's good though is at least Harden doesn't have to be the leader of the team and the one that everything runs through. Embiid is yeah, there, it's and, it, and it's an Embiid's team. Yeah. So I think that's the helpful thing. The problem with Houston was always that the Harden was the guy, and then obviously the problem in Brooklyn is all three guys are flakes who they, you can't have be but the they, centerpiece they, of everything they want to be the guy but yeah. they don't want to they don't have the personality right they don't KD might have been the best player on golden state but make no mistake about it it's steph's team oh yeah and it's steph was the leader oh, and, Harper- and that was perfect for KD. as much as KD wanted to then bolt and be like i want my own team golden state was the perfect place for KD. yeah but also harden went into a nets team that was KD supposed to be KD and Kyrie's team. They went there to play together, mm-hmm. and then he came into a, a place that is basically two guys that were mm-hmm. alphas. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's got to be a little bit more to that, though. I think because of uh, Durant's and Westbrook's time they spent together in OKC. Oh yeah, there is. Like you think about that like big between Durant three, and that, Harden, that, that mm-hmm. three they had there. Mm-hmm. Well, Harden was Why the first to bail. Which, I mean, in this case, yes, speaks to the kind of personality that Harden is. Well, but you like, know what? Like, I'll, I'll actually defend Harden on that one. Because I don't, I mean, hasn't history shown you that Westbrook doesn't make anybody better? Yeah. So I, I'll defend Harden on leaving OKC on that. Okay, I guess maybe he saw something that The way didn't that he the wanted to bail out of Houston is the big one. And then not even a whole two years later trying to bail out of Brooklyn is not a good look either. But the Houston one was ugly because the Houston one, they did everything for you. They bent over backwards for you. And then you just decided you up and wanted out. And then you stopped working out and got fat just to force their hand to get you out of there. So that was about as bad as an exit can be. Sure. Yeah. yeah. All right. On to some other NBA talk. Oh, I feel so happy about this one. I've been on this one before the season started. Everybody, the Lakers got Westbrook. They got Howard. They got Carmelo Anthony. They're going right back again. They could win a title. And I said, no, they're not. They're barely even a playoff team. They're 26 and 31 now. Good on LeBron. As you told me, he passed Kareem. LeBron is one of the best players to ever play. Maybe the best. LeBron, admit, 
you're a terrible GM. You don't know what you're doing. You're awful as a GM. <laughs> you blew it in Cleveland when you started making personnel decisions, and you destroyed the Lakers. I mean, Westbrook is getting benched now in fourth quarters in multiple weeks. Uh, the Lakers are 26 and 31. Oh. Yeah. So this is a tire fire. They're trying to get Westbrook out of the building, and they can't. The rest of the roster is old, and uh, Anthony Davis is never healthy. So LeBron was lucky to get his title because of COVID. That's literally why it happened, because that's why they were able to be healthy for the playoffs, LeBron and Anthony Davis. And now he's tried to keep things going, get all the young guys out of here, and get the old guys that I like and want to play with. LeBron, you're a terrible GM. The Lakers are a dying brand, and they're a mess. So Let's just say AD was healthy, too. But he's never healthy. No, I know. But let's he's just, never. Let's just say he was. You know, you know, he's not coming back next year. He might not. No, I mean, I wouldn't. Why I would mean, you? I'm, Why would you? Well, this is this is my point. I mean, I'm sure he sees the way the team is trending right now, and then looks at it and says, "We're this bad now mm-hmm. with an aging roster, but mm-hmm. albeit an aging roster full of guys that were just otherworldly in their prime." I don't even want to know what he thinks that team is going to look like next year. Oh, I don't know. I, I, if, you, if you listen to LeBron's interviews after game two, I, I don't know if I've ever heard him just so tired. <laughs> I mean, that's the only word I really could. He just sounds tired. Defeated. Yeah. And it's a mess. And you all know it's a mess. And it, it's, uh, it's gotten so bad in the second half of games when Westbrook has the ball in the hands in key situations, you will literally hear the crowd chanting, don't shoot. <laughs> Do you think he regrets going to L.A.? Who? LeBron? Yeah. No, because he's made so much money. I don't think he does. Uh, maybe. Yeah. I mean, he did win a championship. He is, won a is, championship. Is one good, good enough for this right now, though? Yeah, because of how much money he's made. Doing other, I think when he went to L.A., it was about 50% basketball, 50% business. I, I, you know what I guess. So I, I think, I think he's not happy during the season this year. But I don't think he would say that he regrets going to LA. Dom, this is an owner of the Red Sox you're talking about right here. Who? LeBron James. Oh, I forgot about that. And the Pittsburgh. Well, Penguins. can we just not listen? LeBron, I'm such a Sox fan. Please don't touch the roster. <laughs> Have nothing to do with being a GM. For the love of God, LeBron. Maybe this is why JBJ's back. <laughs> I forgot he was back. LeBron. <laughs> LeBron. He's never played baseball, professional baseball in his life, and he's already screwing up one of the most storied sports franchises in America. Please stick to basketball. Uh, I'm sure it's mostly just John Henry. <laughs> All right. He's a- Trust me, Henry doesn't need help to do that. <laughs> All right. Actually, uh, we're going to do a break after this next segment. I'm going to turn it over to you, Jesse, for Tuca retirement hey. and the Bruins, who seem to be falling apart a little bit. Yeah, but like, we'll start with the Tuca, because you, you, I'm sure you wanted something to say. I hate him. Why? You're He's like a Matt choker. Reardon. He's a choker. <laughs> okay, Matt Reardon. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> Tuca Rask, what's he made in his career? $64 million? $64 million ways to crap right in his pants. Tuka. Uh, I don't care how badly the team didn't show up in Game 7 at home against St. Louis. Elite goalies, you need to be better than that. Elite goalies steal you games. I know you weren't the guy, but you're the guy following the guy. You need to be better than that. 
2015, they needed to win one game at the end of the season against Ottawa to make it into the playoffs. You want to know why he couldn't go? Because he was literally crapping his pants. That team was crap. That team didn't deserve it. Same thing happened the next year. They needed to win one game at the end of the year. Bailed on them. Okay. Uh, 2014, they won the President's Trophy. Got ousted in six games against Montreal. It was seven games. It's game seven. Okay, what did he what did he give up? Four goals at in, home. In game seven cannot happen. Cannot happen. Should remember, not happen. I don't remember the final score off the top of my head. Elite goalies steal games. Vasilevsky steal games. All right, Vasilevsky is the best goal. Semyon Varlamov with the Islanders st- stole games against the Bruins in that series a couple of years ago. Which one? I would have to go back and look because he was the goalie for the Islanders last year. But they had a great defense in front of him. That's why the Islanders' defense. They did, and last to year. your point, yes, all great goalies year. are beneficiaries of great defense. Here's but look at all the times Tuca wasn't injured. All the okay. time Tuca wasn't injured, and the defense was not suspect or better than at least subpar. There have been, and you didn't get out of Tuca what you should have. Those middle years where they were missing the playoffs, and uh, that that defense was crap. But like you know. I don't. I certainly don't blame him for Game Seven against the the Blues. That team. That team scored one goal in the garbage time. So like, even if he pitched a shutout, then you go. Well, it was with, actually two goals, Jesse. Was it two? Did they score two goals? It was four to two. Oh, excuse me. Yeah. Both in garbage time. I didn't even look up at that point. But uh, you know, he never won. I guess the. I mean, he won a ring, but he was the backup at the time. But he is. This is the all-time leader for Bruins wins. This is. <laughs> this, I mean, this is a guy who actually has one of the best. I think he was number two all-time goals against average and save percentage in the playoffs. Now, this is a guy who, yeah, the past couple of years uh, has played with decent defenses. But this is. They are not the Leafs. They, these past couple of years have been. You're a good team, not a great team. So I don't blame Ras for these past couple of years. I agree. So. You're not a you're a good team, not a great team. So, but is do you think Rask is a good goalie or a great goalie? Great goalie. Great goalies. That is a Vesna winning goalie. Great goalies make good teams great. Yeah, he he's played on a President's Trophy winning team. And here's the thing about that. And he fell on his face. That team, at home. Uh, he won some games for them in that series. They lost, and that team hit 12 posts that series. He was better than Carey Price that team, that that series. They and if literally that was the one team that was probably going to beat them, the Canadians. That was the one team that had their number that season. But he also he made two finals, and then the Chicago Blackhawks won. Um, that the Chicago Blackhawks were a better team, so I don't blame him that much. That one that. I will give you. It, it didn't. It wouldn't have made sense for Chicago to lose that. Yeah, they were. Them they were the best team cup. by far that season. It just wouldn't have made sense. Um, but, and Tuka Rask. In that playoffs, though, played one of the hottest teams in the NHL, the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah, let I up know. Two goals and in four yeah, games. I know. And that's then, a that's that's in the playoffs, bro. That's yeah, big and then, games. Yeah, and then gave up two in seventeen seconds. Uh, the defense faltered in front of him. You think he's a great goalie? Yeah. Are great goalies supposed to make good teams great? Yeah, but like you could keep, you could say that all day, but like he, he at times he has been great. 
He is. Uh, uh, yeah, he's, he has, but I don't think he's, he's been great when it matters he, most. He I is, think he's a choke artist. He's, prop- he's Aaron Rodgers. Mm, no, <laughs> he makes. He made fine. He has made okay, two I finals. Hate, I hate Aaron Rodgers. Do not insult that man like that. <laughs> Tuca is two for two. Oh, in the I have some. Finals. I have some very nice stats today about Aaron Rodgers and clutch situations. Puka. <laughs> Puka. Puka. All right. Listen, I like. Listen, here's the thing. I am sad to see him go. It's a shame he had to go out like this. I'm always sad to see a player get their career cut short. I know he was going to only have one or two more seasons anyway, but having to go out on an injury is always sad. That always sucks. And he still is the all-time leader in wins. He is the all-time leader uh, with wins by a goalie drafted by the Toronto Maple Leafs. That might be my favorite Tukaras stat. Drafted by the Leafs, all-time winner for drafted by the Leafs. Maybe that's why he could never win the big one. Maybe. He's got some leaf in him. However... We can't talk about the Bruins right now without talking about Brad Marchand. Because a little reason why they're tripping right now, Dom, you brought that up, is, I mean, Bergeron just got injured, and Tuka, uh, Tuka, uh, Brad Marchand is suspended six games. Now, he got suspended, why? Just because he's a repeat offender and the league doesn't like him. Because so many times this season, uh, there's been dirty hits, stuff like that. Uh, For John Moore, the Bruins defenseman, got lit up and boarded blatantly by Michael Pazeta, and has never played a shift since, and there was no disciplinary action. On February 1st, Yanni Gord uh, boarded Erhel Vakanainen pretty blatantly. Uh, hasn't played a shift since, and the NHL has done nothing. Brad Marchand, I mean, he punched the goalie. You can't do that, but that's not a suspendable offense. I don't care. And then he stuck, he stuck his uh, stick in his face, which I don't, I don't care. That's not a suspendable offense. You want to fine him, go for it. But you suspended him six games. That's ridiculous. I think it's so ridiculous. I agree. Okay. Okay. <laughs> the suspension is too much, but how much are the Bruins in trouble, you think, for the season, though? Here's the thing about that. I don't think they're in trouble to miss the playoffs. I still think they can be a wild card team because the difference between the good teams and the bad teams is actually kind of far. The problem is the difference between the good teams, which are the Bruins, and the elite teams, the contenders, is also very far. Mm. So they're just they're going to be probably a middle-of-the-road team. So are they in trouble? Depends on how you look at it. Mm. Are they in trouble of winning the Cup? Yeah, they're in trouble. They're not, they're not good enough. But are they in trouble missing the playoffs? No, I don't really think so right now. All right, Brian? So what do you see them doing in the playoffs? Depends on what Should they, they make it and matchups, you know. I mean, here's the thing. It, they could match up well. Let's say they get the Panthers. I like that matchup. But let's say you get the Leafs or the Lightning. I don't like that matchup. I hate it. Because I, I like the Leafs playing the Leafs in the playoffs because they seem to choke. But like Tuca. they're just the Leafs are so much faster than you. And then uh, the Lightning are also so much faster than you. And both are tougher than you also. So. They're just all around better than you. The Panthers, uh, although faster than you, for some reason, they just can out-muscle them. I don't know what it is. They just have the Panthers number, so I like that matchup. Mm. But uh, maybe you win the first round. Mm. That's kind of it. I think a first round. If if Should they make it, I think they'll probably push a first round series six or seven games, but even at that... Oh, I wouldn't be surprised I, I, if he was the first I, round. Yeah, I don't know if I'd you need to, to make it out of the you first You need to round. do something at the deadline. You need to 
get some offensive depth. You don't need a lot for offensive. You need to really get healthy. And then you, a decent defenseman would be nice. But how do you gonna? I don't know how you can really afford that. They're pretty close to the cap, so it'd be there's nice not much you can do. If they could somehow find an upgrade over Forbort, I would. Mac of always other side. He hasn't been no, awful. I, I would like, yeah, no. If you could move Forbort down, that will help him and the team so much better because yeah. they are asking too much of a guy like that. Yeah, totally. I agree with that. All right. We will take our last quick break before we move on to fair and foul. Some NFL questions. Kyler Murray. Uh, me and uh, Jesse, you and I are going to go at it a little bit over arguing about a career of some future Hall of Famers. Uh, mm-hmm. Plus some controversial Twitter information <laughs> that came out from somebody else. We'll finish with our Tommy Report and Darwin one after that. Stick with us, guys. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. It's Slow Your Roll with Dominic Lorenzano, writer for the Yaki Wave Report, Jesse Caulfield, and guest back in Brian Salem as well. We are getting ready to finish things up. We're going to go into fair and foul, though, real quick. Uh, the first one, some more, like I said, just so much news really happened this week. Kyler Murray scrubbed his social media of all references of the Arizona Cardinals, which begs the question, fair or foul, does Kyler Murray want out in Arizona? Brian, I'm actually going to let you start. That's a tough call, but I don't think he wants out, per se. Okay, so foul. I think the biggest thing is he wants a little bit more leeway as far as his development goes from upper management. Okay. Because I did actually read something about this probably a half hour before we came on today about how uh, the brass in Arizona, they don't like his lack of leadership abilities. Yep. And That's why they brought in some of those guys like Watt. And- yep. Uh, one of the things that I read was that he's not the early in, out late kind of guy mm-hmm. that, you know, your Brady's and your Manning's are. And I get that if you're management, but give the kid a little bit more time. What's this, his second, mm-hmm. third year in the league? Third year, first playoff game, yeah. Yeah, and and he feels like he's being targeted as a scapegoat for the Rams' loss, which, granted, I looked up his stat line today, had like one six-yard run through two picks, didn't even throw for a buck 40, I think. If your quarterback comes up looking that bad with a team that had a record like they had... Yeah, but Arizona was falling apart at the end of the year anyway. Everyone could kind of see it. Well, that's just so is it So is it fair to put it all on the kid? No. No, not at all. No, so, he also uh, wasn't 100% healthy all right, so either. To Jesse, to you, fair or foul? Murray wants out in Arizona. I'm going to go foul. I don't think he wants to leave yet. I think he's really just putting it out there that like, he wants to be treated with more respect, more maturity. Maybe he wants more, um, uh, what's the word, responsibility. 
Um, and maybe he feels that some of these accusations that he's not working hard or as hard as they want him to is unfair. Hmm. And I, I just think he's making that point. So, no, I will say foul that he wants out. I'm going to go fair. I do think Kyler Murray wants out in Arizona. Um, I think I've, at first I thought it was just contract uh, negotiation stuff and he was trying to say to Arizona that he wants an extension. And I do think he does. But I think at the end of the day, I actually do think Kyler wants out in Arizona. Um, I think his lack of leadership and a bit of selfishness has rubbed Arizona the wrong way. Um, I think that he believes that too much has been put on his shoulders and therefore has only made those things worse. I'm sure he's great with Cliff Kingsbury, um, but I think that he believes that he is the engine running the ship completely and he's getting thrown under the bus a little bit too much. And I, I think he feels disrespected in some ways and unhappy. So I do think he wants out in Arizona 100%. I think that's a fair statement to say. Okay. I think that just goes a little too far and too petty to not be bigger than just I want a contract extension mixed with all the stories we all knew beforehand that were definitely being leaked by Arizona, by the way, even before this season started. I think he wants out. All right. The big one. Wait, wait, wait. Should we do the other one first and then do the big one? All right, fine. That would make sense. To fine. Me. We'll do that. We'll do that. Jonathan Allen for the Washington Commanders on Twitter said that he would want to have dinner with Hitler because he called him a military genius and said he mostly just wants to know why he did what he did. And should Jonathan did Jonathan Allen really need to apologize for this tweet? And I don't think he did. So 100%. Wait, this, so this, wait, are you saying fair he should have to? Or no, fair. Doesn't? Didn't, I said didn't need to apologize. Okay, fair he doesn't fair. need to apologize. Allen okay. does not need I to understand. apologize. This is a little, and it's not. It's a super minor thing because so many Hutch news. I don't think people made a huge deal about this one, but it brings up so many of the things that I hate about what's going on in the media right now and sports media. You know what the headlines always were? If you go look at the ESPN one, Allen calls Hitler military genius, wants to go to dinner with him. No mention, <laughs> no mention of the, I just want to know why he did what he did. And he even said mostly did what he did. Now, Allen, you're an idiot. Military genius and Hitler should never be in the same sentence. <laughs> Yo, I was going to go there. I was going to go there. <laughs> Hitler, Thank you. Hitler, Hitler's dumb self thought that I haven't finished off Britain yet, but I'm going to go attack Russia and start a war with someone who wasn't attacking me and was the first one to declare war on America. So, Alan, you're a little ignorant there. He's not a military genius. However, there is nothing wrong with wanting to know and being interested. What makes somebody be that ridiculous and do something that evil? Now, you probably just need to go read Mein Kampf. You probably don't need to have dinner with Adolf. But the media totally played this up and worded every headline in a way to make it you know, different than what Alan meant and even said clearly in the tweet. So I don't think you should apologize, Alan. Okay. Jesse? No, I mean, I agree with that. No. I, I guess I won't go into the, hey, you're wrong about the military genius thing. I mean, um, you can if you want. If you but, else. Well, no, I mean, you say you explain <laughs> that. Like, hey, he's not the smartest guy. But, let's, uh, but no, you don't need to apologize because everyone's leaving out the context. He was asked who was three people dead or alive from history that you would have dinner with. Mm -hmm. And like, I feel like everyone's been asked that question in high school. And I've been asked that question multiple times. And guess what? One time I answered Hitler. I've had Hitler in my list. One time I listed Stalin, Mao, and Hitler. Why? They're all just, I don't know, crazy leaders that I want to pick their brain to. 
Yeah. It's just curiosity. Mm-hmm. Dude, when people are bad, you can't help but be interested in them. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. They're interesting people. What makes them tick? Why are they so bad? The psychology behind it yeah. is almost infinitely fascinating. It is. Yeah. So for that reason and that reason alone, no, you do not have to apologize. I don't want to hear you apologize because yeah. the media... To both of their points, grossly misconstrued what you had to say. Mm-hmm. The media needs to apologize. I, I think so too. The media's got to be, they're, they're overdoing all these yeah. things so much. They're just, it's, I call it outrage hunting. Yeah. Is what it is. And if he has to apologize, all these white women have to apologize <laughs> for idolizing like Ted Bundy and all these other serial killers because <laughs> they're also bad people, right? Yes. And yet we have so Hitler many. Hitler didn't eat nobody. <laughs> and yet we have so many shows and stuff about it because guess what? The psychology of craziness and evil is interesting. Yeah. And you can learn from it. I do think I do think everyone should have to read Mein Kampf. Yeah. I th- it, to me it was it was very it was like it made me realize how one just completely insane Hitler really was. Just I mean a lot of it is non-coherent rambling and <laughs> <laughs> like it is crazy crazy stuff. All right. The last one. Jesse me and you were going to go at it about this one it's been like three weeks in the making i know so fair or foul big ben has had a better career than aaron Rodgers, and i think absolutely 100 percent fair big ben has two super bowls big ben is a far more clutch player and big ben had to go through peyton manning and tom brady throughout his career aaron Rodgers never had someone really like that and as i said i said it earlier in the show and i've said it multiple times i think here in New England, our opinion on the Steelers and Big Ben and Mike Tomlin and stuff is skewed because we compare it to what has been the greatest dynasty in NFL history. And so they played us so many times or they were the team that everyone always thought could beat us that we just look at them with such the wrong view because we just say they, they just couldn't measure up. They're not that good. When you compare them to the rest of the league and the standard for most teams – they were above the standard for everybody else. Yes, I know they had some cultural problems. Big Ben had his own drama. But this is part of the reason why I even compared these, because both Aaron and Big Ben have had their own drama throughout their career and sometimes been a little bit selfish and me-oriented too. And I think at times we both feel both have underachieved. But to me, Big Ben, two Super Bowls, countless times in regular season or playoff games, would bring the Steelers back after the Steelers weren't playing as well, had some dysfunction or whatever. Aaron Rodgers going into this year, it's one of the greatest stats of all time. Aaron Rodgers was 0-42 when trailing in the fourth quarter against a team with a winning record. He is the antithesis of clutch, which at the end of the day is one of the biggest markers that we use to rate quarterbacks about how great they are. The antithesis of clutch. Big Ben has had a better career than Aaron Rodgers. Go for it, Jesse. Oh, that's it? Yes. I thought you were going to go longer than that. No. Uh, I'm still, That's a shot. Yeah, I'm, st- I'm still taking notes about uh, what I mean, you were saying. I'm sure we're going to have some back and forth. It's not like it's I know just, this is just a one statement thing. I know what this means. All right. <laughs> so, I mean, did, did you want me to record? Too? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You got that nice stand. I might as well use it. Yeah. You, you should use it. Hello. <laughs> I look like I have gelled hair. <laughs> The problem is you're probably in yeah. the YouTube shot, too. But it's okay. You Whatever. all get it. Whatever. This might even go to YouTube. We haven't figured that out yet. Yeah, that's true. All right. Anyway, all right. Now I'm ready. So uh, I say it's foul. Aaron Rodgers is better. 
And the reason I say that now, they've had, actually, they were drafted around the same time. Big Ben was drafted a year before Aaron Rodgers. Big Ben has played 18 seasons, Aaron Rodgers 17 seasons. However, he missed the first three seasons because he was playing backup to Brett Favre. Um, and if you look at their stats, you know, Big Ben has more passing yards, 64,088. He's fifth all time. Aaron Rodgers is 10th all time, uh, 55,000, so about 10,000 less. Plenty of time to catch up. He's still got it. Uh, career touchdown passes. Aaron Rodgers is fifth all time, uh, 449. Big Ben, who played more seasons, is eighth with 418. Do you know who's the uh, – actually, Big Ben is ninth all time in QBR. I'm not a big QBR stat guy, um, but uh, he's ninth all time. Yeah, that's good, 92.6. You know who number one all time is? Oh. Aaron Rodgers. I, I'm glad you're doing this because I got the thing. 104.9. Uh, again, but I, this ain't really about stats. I don't really care about that much Imagine, about stats. Imagine having two of the greatest gunslingers of all time and you only have two rings to show for it over like 30 years. Oh, the Packers? Yes. Yeah. But go uh, on. <laughs> I mean, that, that's a team thing, I would say. I, but uh, here's the thing. We look at these teams. Who has Big Ben played with? And who has Aaron Rodgers played with? Big Ben had some of the best defenses every single season he played. Aaron Rodgers had some good defenses, some really bad ones also. Mm. But let's look at the offensive side of the ball. Who... Big Ben play with. Let's first look he had the ball off to. His rookie season, he gave it to Jerome Bennis, one of the all-time greats. In the twilight of his career, only hit 900 yards rushing that season. Of course, uh, then they went out and got uh, Willie Parker, three-time 1,000-yard rusher with the Steelers. Rashad Mendenhall, two-time 1,000-yard rushes with the Steelers. Le'Veon Bell, three-time 1,000-yard rushes with the Steelers. Out of his first five seasons with the Steelers, those two times he missed 1,000-yard rushes, he missed time with injury. Then they got James Conner. He's pretty good. Not the best rusher, though. Uh, more of a catching back. And then Najee Harris, who put 1,200 yards up on his rookie season. So when you're handing off the ball to some of the best rushers in the league every year, that's, that makes your job a lot easier. Then let's look at who he throwed the ball to. Uh, Heinz Ward, Mike Wallace, Santonio Holmes, Plexico Burris, Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster, Deontay Johnson, James Washington. This guy always has guys to throw the ball to. This guy can throw it anywhere to anybody, and they are some of the best every time. I mean, I would say that it was it was a bit heinous that you just put James Washington in the same breath as those other guys. I mean, he was their leading receiver two years ago. That's true, but uh, is he- continue. I get that, though. I get it. Uh, I mean, Plexico Burris was also never a leading receiver, but he was also just a guy that was thrown. He had in a there. great career, though. Yes, that's why he's on this list. Um, but then you look at... Uh, Aaron Rodgers. Let's look at who he handed the ball off to. Ryan Grant. Anybody? Uh, not really. I think I graduated with him. <laughs> actually, here's the thing about Ryan Grant. Ryan Grant was actually a good running back. He's just uh, He had injuries mm. throw his career off, so that was actually the problem with him. Brandon Jackson. James Starks. Familiar. Alex Green. No. no. Eddie Lacy. <laughs> well, two-time thousand-yard rusher with the Green Bay Packers. Okay, also known for being fat. Ty Montgomery. I know, but yeah, no, he's not great. Jamal Williams, decent, decent. Aaron Rodgers, two-time thousand-yard rusher. Uh, he's got two great running backs now. Injury-prone with Aaron, Aaron, Rod- Aaron, Aaron Jones. Jones. Aaron and, Jones. And, and yes, Dylan. Two playoff losses. What? 
Two playoff losses with Aaron Jones. I mean, he's been around for five seasons, Aaron Jones. I'm just saying two playoff losses with Aaron Jones. Two big playoff losses with Aaron Jones. But continue. Okay, he's, he's always injured. Continue. All right, then let's look at his wide receivers. Greg Jennings, Donald Driver. Um, Jordy Nelson. Jordy Randy Nelson. Cobb, Devontae Adams. Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Uh, uh, the, the Scantling and Lazard. Nah, all right. I wouldn't throw them in well, there. he mentioned Thanks. James Washington in the same <laughs> breath did. as Mike you Wallace list- and Heinz Ward. You listed them all for me already. I can move on. <laughs> uh, I his, mean, t- his, his tight ends haven't necessarily sucked either, you know. Yatanyan's pretty good. Um who was, was another one he had? I the remember. journeyman guy, though, who had a, who ended up having a good career. He was there for years. I can't remember his name. No, he did have a couple. Richard Rodgers was decent. Uh, he played with Jimmy Graham. He's played with Jared Cook. Jimmy Graham was the guy I was thinking oh, of. Yeah, Thank Jimmy, you. Jimmy. But, I mean, I will give you. All right. Now let's look at the coaches. Uh, Big Ben, in his first three seasons, had Bill Cower, one of the greatest coaches I mean, of all time. And then he's had Mike Tomlin for 15 years. We've complained about Mike Tomlin, but he's had a consistent coach for 15 years. And one of, I would say, the better half of the coaches in the NFL. Uh, Mike McCarthy for 13 years for Aaron Rodgers. And then Matt LaFleur for three. Mike McCarthy was a good coach. I just think that in the later half, the game passed him by. Mm -hmm. But I think he was a good coach. Okay. Now... I don't know, I'm going to keep going here. I have you, a lot. You keep, you keep going. So now let's look at Big Ben's career. Right. So from 2004 to 2010, he had a record of 77 and 35. Pretty good. Uh, a win percentage of 687. In that time, he won four division titles. Uh, this is seven years. Four division titles, three Super Bowl appearances, uh, two wins, excuse me, six years. And he missed the playoffs twice. That's good. It's really good. Uh, then from 2011 to 2021, he was 111, 64, and 2. Still good. Win percentage of 627. Still really good. However, again, in those then 10 years, four division titles, again, same exact amount. Only one conference championship appearance. Uh, he missed the playoffs four times, and five times he was won and done in the playoffs, four of which were in the wild card. Hmm. So, after that time, he lost to the Super Bowl and Aaron Rodgers. He never did anything really worth of anything. Ooh, that sounds like Rodgers' career over the past six. Since Rodgers won right. that one uh, Super Bowl. In, all right, in those times, let's look at the accolades then. Big Ben has won a Rookie of the Year and six Pro Bowls. Aaron Rodgers has won four MVPs, ten Pro Bowls, seven times Offensive Player of the Year, four-time First Team All-Pro, first one-time Second Team All-Pro, most of which have come in the past couple years, actually. Okay, cool. Give me it. How many rings does he have? So, Aaron Rodgers. One against Big Ben. Here's the thing. Okay. Big Ben had to go through Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, the greatest dynasty of all time. How do you go the against them every time? I, he, he every time. I know he didn't do well. I get that. But Rodgers never had to deal with anything like that. Big Ben had to deal with a far tougher division than Aaron Rodgers ever had to deal with. The Bears had one fluke good year, for the most part, that Super Bowl year. And Minnesota had a couple of good teams, you know, spearheaded by Case Keenum. Um, Which, I like Keenum, but come on, it's it's Case Keenum. Uh, And the Bears, for the most part, have been dysfunctional. Detroit might be the worst NFL franchise in the league, especially now that Stafford's won a Super Bowl. Uh, Big Ben has had to deal with, listen... Since he might be dysfunctional, 
Since he had some good teams, though. Oh, I have those stats. Oh, I know you do. Since he actually had some good teams, though, they just couldn't get over the hump and win that playoff game, largely due to, you know, some of their own stupidity and dysfunction. Then the Baltimore Ravens, a pillar stone of the NFL the last couple of years, one of the best-run franchises, Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, some of the best defenses. They even gave Brady and the Pats trouble. Big Ben had to play in the same division as them. Aaron Rodgers is a stat compiler. That is what he is. And it's even one of the reasons he's not clutch because he won't take the risks because he doesn't want to throw the picks and he wants to make sure his stats look great. So, and the stats come with, well, the accolades, the personal accolades come with the stats. The personal stuff and the stats are better for Rodgers. But we judge quarterbacks on winning and clutch when we talk about greatness. Big Ben is the far clutcher quarterback, the greater quarterback, with the better career, Aaron is a stat compiler. Yeah, but how is he clutch when, like I said, from 2011 to 2021, he hasn't won anything in the playoffs? I'm looking at it right. Okay. But Rodgers has had a similar drought now in the playoffs, and at least in the regular season, he at least there would the be so many times that Big Ben would bring the Steelers back in big games in the regular season. And then what does your guy do when he makes it to those conference championship games? I mean, at least he makes them. He hasn't Rodgers... coughs it up! Has Jesse, it? okay. Who, 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 what two quarterbacks are one and two respectively in, in fourth quarter comebacks? One and two? Yes. Like the most, you mean? Oh, okay. Uh, all time? Yep. Um, is Big Ben one of them? No. It... I'm going to go with Tom Brady and Drew Brees. No. Nope. Brady's one of them with 42 game winning. Uh, what is it? Is fourth, Stafford the other fourth one? Fourth quarter comebacks. Yeah. No. Nope. He Manning, the Lions too long. Peyton Manning with 43, Brady uh, with 42, and Ben with 41 right thought, behind him. I thought Peyton was too obvious. Hmm. So thank you for the clutchness thing. And Aaron Rodgers has lost to Colin Kaepernick in the playoffs. Alex Smith. Yeah. He just lost to Jimmy Garoppolo. Kaepernick went to the Super Bowl that year. He did, but still. Alex Jimmy Smith. Garoppolo's been to the Super Bowl twice. 50, I get it. 53 but game winning drives. Actually, no. Actually, Garoppolo has not been to the Super Bowl twice. I lied. Mm. I mean, I guess you could say he's been a bunch of times, but once as a starter. He's yeah. the kid in the group project that didn't do anything but still got the A. What, Garoppolo? Yes. Okay. Yeah, a little bit. Aaron is a stat compiler and a monster in that. He is the antithesis of clutch. Big Ben is clutch. Big Ben had to deal with far more tough competition than Aaron did. It should have been smooth sailing for Aaron a lot of his career. He always lost to Tom and Peyton. It was never a competition. And they say Aaron Rodgers, he still played Matt Ryan. He still played um, Russell Wilson. He still played, uh, there's another one. Uh, Drew Brees. Uh, so he played when against good teams. Yeah, but not the longevity every single year of I'd having to go through Brady and Manning. It'd be interesting to see what Rodgers' career would look like if you switched. Oh, that would be very. Swapped him. That, no, that would be hugely interesting. I bet Roethlisberger still has a better career than Rodgers does. Oh, I don't. I, I think don't. he has. Yo, I, I, would g- I would give Ben. Comparable. I would give Big Ben a whole nother His, Super Bowl. You said he's got. Aaron Rodgers got more I'd give, skill. I'd give Big Ben three Super Bowls if he. Yes. But if he's gonna, Bay. he's gonna he's throw. A, he, if he's gonna throw to these guys and hand off to these guys, like, what's gonna stop Aaron Rodgers at that point? You know what the one different like. I get what, the talent. You, you thing, know, but. you know what Aaron Rodgers is to me. If Dan Marino actually broke through and won a Super Bowl. Hmm. 
That's a good way to put it. We consider Dan Marino an all-time great. Most people can, but we most don't consider people, him the greatest because he never won the big one. Most people consider Aaron an all-time great too, and I think Aaron's going to get that jacket and be in the Hall of Fame, and he should oh, be. I mean, but, he'll definitely get that. That's not the argument here. But ben I think Big Ben's had. I think Big Ben's had the better career. I, I, I mean, here's the thing. I, I kind of don't because you brought up. Oh, he's got a uh, harder division. Like, is the Ravens good? Yeah, but like he is twenty-four and ten all-time against the Bengals. 26-2-1 all-time against the Browns. He's got 161 career wins. That's 31% of his career wins against and those two teams. Rogers, I think that what do you think Rodgers... the division he's in. What do you think Rodgers' winning percentage is against Detroit and... and I'm Chicago. sure Detroit probably 100. You, go look at his stats against the Bears, bro. No, I did. No, he, Yeah, he beats up on all those he teams. He has never faced a team his in div- division as good as Big Ben had to consistently with the Baltimore the Ravens. The NFC North, historically, since Rodgers has been the starting quarterback in Green Bay, has been significantly more horrible than the, than the AFC and The North. Bears have had some good teams. And the Bears Here consistently have a good defense. They do. And he has to pass on that defense. I mean, no, I'll give you the, the, the Lions, but, like, the Lions and Browns have been... Comparable. So... I believe that now, since he, the Browns I would success. still make the argument since he has been significantly better than Minnesota for the most part, and really? definitely Minnesota has made it far farther than more playoffs, and definitely better than Chicago most years. I would absolutely put the Vikings. Better Chicago, than Chicago Cincy. at their best maybe had a a year or two better than anything since he did, but consistently since he was a decent football team that was making the playoffs. Not really. They did it every now and again, and then we're one and done. Chicago made it, what, like three times maybe? I would put Chicago on par with the Bengals, and uh, I'd put Vikings definitely ahead of the Bengals. Maybe lately the Vikings, and but then before that the they were the Lions I'll put on par with the Browns. And yes, they have the Ravens in division, but his... Uh, I think it was 17-10. and 10 That's a juggernaut team in division every year, think, two times a year. It's kind of not. It is. They had some good teams and even some great teams, but they weren't. And they're consistently good, but I never, I don't always consider the Ravens that much of a threat. Okay. All right. Especially I, I, like after Ray Lewis left, that defense, and, Ed, and in Ridley, the, the defense took a dip for the Ravens. It did. After Joe Flacco left, there was a, a year or two of like, what are we really going to do? And then Lamar came in and. Other than the Bears won Super Bowl year with Lovey Smith. I don't think there's even a team Rodgers ever faced in division close to what Big Ben had to face in the Ravens multiple times over a stretch of years. Like, even if those all those Ravens teams that we're going to talk about now, for all intents and purposes, let's just say half of those games he played against them, they were subpar at best. Mm. Like, how many... The other half, I mean, they were many, elite. How many dog-awful Dolphins teams have elite Patriots teams lost to? Yeah, that was just I it's just always a bad matchup. Mm, for some reason. Yeah, that's just I think that's just a situation of just that that has a team's number because there's a couple instances of that across the NFL. I think at the end of the day both of these guys you can look at and say that they sh- they left a lot to be desired in their careers. They could have been better. But I think the fact that he has the more Super Bowls, the far not even arguable better clutch numbers. Whereas Aaron is not good in the fourth quarters. Aaron's usually a guy that does if things, head, though. If things aren't going his way. Aaron's usually a head guy. And Big Ben had to go through tougher competition. But be that as it may, I see your point, but I'm going to go fair. Big Ben's I had the better career, I and you're a foul. foul. See, I wish we could have a poll up somewhere that could 
I hope so. All right. Lastly, Jesse, the Tommy report. This will be mad quick. It's just yeah. Tommy, Tommy might have been being funny there for a minute. Yeah, I mean he, you know, he, he always has like those weekly talk radio appearances of wherever he is in the world. Um, I think it used to be like one oh one oh something here. Now he does it down there in Florida, and he just you know he he teased that you know he keeps his options open, but he did end his statement saying he's not changing his mind right now and probably won't change his mind. So he did give a tease that maybe, but Brady seems to at least be can can have conviction on his decision for now. Mm-hmm. All right. Brian, do you have anything to add? I think he's going to try to break the retirement record too. <laughs> Just retire multiple times. Yeah. I hope he doesn't turn on the Brett Favre. Let's not no. do that. I do too. Oh God. All right. Well, I mean, Gronk said he thinks he'll come back and there is a rumor going out there that he'll come back if the 49ers mm. offer him something. Cause that was his childhood team. That was a team he really wanted to go to before he went to the Bucks. But they're probably going to go with Trey Lance. Speaking of which, real quick, mm-hmm. I just want to touch on this real quick. You and I talked after the last show last week mm-hmm. uh, about the possibility of Jimmy going to Miami. Now mm-hmm. that Mike McDaniel, the uh, NFT pushing barista, yes, is their head coach now. I feel like that opens the door way more for Brady to actually wind up in San Fran. I... And there, there's a track for those <laughs> wheels to go in motion there. I don't think so. Just I will think they just because I think San Francisco gave up too much for Lance, so they have to give him all the snaps and give it the 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 good old try, you know. And I mean, he and he, Trey has a lot of the attributes that make me think he can work. No, he, and he showed clear improvement as the season went on. So I think they're ready to at least. I think it's I think it's fun speculation, but I think I think they have made their bed and they have to lie in it, and it's got to be Trey. I mean, he's probably the perfect guy for a Shanahan system anyway. Exactly. I do like your idea on Jimmy to Miami, though. It does make sense. Because McDaniel's already worked with him. So yeah, I, I do that, see it. That'd be intriguing to see, too. And you know Miami now, with all, the, all with all the dysfunction, Miami can't land Russell Wilson or Aaron if they're available. So, all right. We're going to wrap it up. Darwin Award, let's go. Oh, boy. Drum roll, please. This week's Darwin Award winner is Kevin Durant. <laughs> Kevin Durant for bailing on maybe the best team ever in the NBA history, one of the best at least in Golden State, just because he was sick of all the critics and the haters who said, you just bailed on OKC, you can't win without Steph, blah, 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 blah. And you know what? Here's two things. One, I think it makes you kind of a kind of a little thin-skinned little, I mean, Durant has Durant has the security level of a middle school girl. If he's going to listen to the critics and clap back at critics on Twitter that much, you know what he, he should have done. Burner account. You know what he should. I know he had a burner account. You know what he should have done as he was hoisting up another NBA championship and NBA uh, Finals MVP award. Just just flip him the bird. They're like, I, I, eventually, I'm going to win so many titles and win so many MVPs. I'm going to be undeniable. So. I think he's an insecure little middle school girl for caring that much about the critics and listening to him that much. Lastly, though, even if you leave, you chose Kyrie Irving to stake your career with. And again, maybe we have a better opinion on this because we had to deal with him in Boston. Um, But that was ludicrous. And Kevin, I know he talks to LeBron. Why didn't he give LeBron a call and go, hey, what did you have to deal with behind closed doors with Kyrie Irving? But no, he 
needed to leave Golden State because he had to be the man. It had to be his team. You know, I need all of the credit. And then he had to go pick Kyrie Irving. And now you got that big three in Brooklyn. You know, they played 16 games altogether. <laughs> yeah. That's one of the greatest stats of all time. They've shipped hard enough. Kyrie can only play half the games. You're, you know, 29 and 27, 10 straight losses. And Durant's getting older. KD, I think, uh, I think you, I think you sabotage your own career leaving Golden State. Totally. Mm. <laughs> mm. Okay. Anybody else? I couldn't have said that better myself. I'll, I'll say a couple things. Yeah. With the Kyrie Irving thing, um, I basketball players have this ego about them, and LeBron clearly has it too because he brought in Westbrook and Melo. Um, that they think that like, oh, he's really good. I don't care how toxic he is. I'll get along with him because I'm clearly not toxic. And then it all goes really bad. So he's just, that's just Durant being another basketball player. I don't blame him too much for that. I think he takes it to another level. I think he's one of the most insecure people I've ever seen in professional sports. Maybe. He is, but do you think the league has sort of pandered to it? Yeah. Oh, no, they have. 100% they have. But I've just never seen someone so involved, committed, and care so much what random people on Twitter say. I mean, they're all they're all prima donnas, but at least Harden doesn't clap back at people on Twitter who are just randos. He just decides, eh, I'm gonna bail I mean, now, I want out. He but, might, we just didn't find his but, burner account yet. I guess. Durant is just I've never seen anything like it. Yeah. Out of a professional sports star. And Honestly, I, I, even out of a grown adult. Male. <laughs> I haven't seen a lot of it. Uh, I, I, a lot of athletes are not quite as grown up as we want them to be. Especially in the NBA. And actually, another thing about Kyrie, how he can only play half the games. Mm-hmm. He could play in, in uh, uh, New York. Yeah, I know. They have the you know that mandate. But if the Nets would just pay a fine, he can play. Mm. But it's not actually about that. No, it's not. They need to make an example of him. No, I get that. But, I mean, that's, this isn't the first Kyrie issue. I mean, the, the year before, it was, I don't want to play. Oh, I'll defend Kyrie on this issue, too. I will defend him on this one, but there's there's been so many things with Kyrie. The year before, it was, you know, because of the thing that happened at the Capitol. He was like, oh, I, I don't think I can play now. Do you remember that? He was not playing basketball because he felt so much some type of way about what happened at the Capitol. Oh, and, like, all no. the things going I on in the I world. I don't recall that one. Oh, Oh, I recall it because I remember laughing and being like, wow, that's like me just getting up one day and be like, I, I'm very unhappy with what happened over in D.C., so I'm not coming to work today, boss. <laughs> or the next day or the next day. or I'll tell you when I'm back. You know what cracked me up most about him actually was not even that was I think it was his first trip back to Boston after he had left. Oh, and he, stepped and he on the thing. didn't even end up playing that game, I think. Didn't play that night. But made it a point to walk around the court and up and down the tunnels with his sage, and he's doing this smudging routine that is like harkens back to whatever culture he identifies with. Like, <laughs> well, then he also he stepped. You on didn't the logo. even play. You didn't even play. Why did that need to happen? I don't know. Well, then he came in and stepped on the logo that one time after the game and like stomped on it as if like, oh, I know why. I felt a disturbance in the force. <laughs> Suddenly, when he stepped on the logo, you're the disturbance, Kyrie. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, really you know what? Is. That's why he plays with Kyrie, because they have the same level of maturity. Yeah, whatever. All right, 
So that has been it then for Slow Your Roll this week, guys. Uh, thank you to everyone. Thank you for Brian for coming back on the show. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much. And follow us at, at uh, uh, on Instagram at Slow Your Roll, slowyourroll.com as well. And uh, on Twitter also, Slow Your Roll as well. So if you want clips from the show, videos, and Jesse's articles during the baseball season, have a great rest of your week, everybody.